All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, uh, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. On today's edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, sports reporters, we have indeed reassembled on this very podcast, uh, Robert Silverman of the Daily Beast and Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press to talk about the biggest stories in sports this week. Um, a lot of good stuff with Andrew, Bob, and I. Cam Reddish trade to the Knicks. What's the future of the Knicks? What's the future of the Hawks? Uh, the Grizzlies are real title contenders if they they continue to just win a bunch of basketball games in a row. John Morant, pretty crazy. Uh, Zion's future uh, in New Orleans. Um, and which NFL wildcard games are most interested in and why? And then, of course, our picks of the week. Uh, then we got Atlanta Sports Guys. Max Markovich and Garrett Chapman. Uh, we 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 go super heavy with the Hawks in this one. Uh, obviously, the Cam Reddish trade to New York. Um, what the future is for John Collins and company. The Ben Simmons possibilities. Uh, is it going to be somebody like the Blazers and CJ McCollum and Norman Powell? Um, of course, Jalen Brown is top of all of our wish list. But uh, we go into all of it. Uh, Schlink's latest comments, what the Hawks are going to look like without Cam and as they continue to fix this roster a little bit. And then we wrap uh, with Go Big Orange Friday. Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider returns to talk about a variety of Tennessee transfer portal stuff. We've got Trinity Bell in the portal, Calvert in the portal, uh, Kobe in the portal, uh, a lot of dudes in the portal, but we also get Charlie Browder uh, back. We get uh, Isaiah Nair uh, from Wyoming. So we dive into uh, certain roster changes for Tennessee football. Also with Kentucky on the docket this weekend, uh, what Tennessee fans should expect uh, going into the Kentucky game, what happened in the USC game, all that and more on this edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, just wanted to uh, uh, do one other thing here real quick. Um, before we get started with today's show, I would also like to mention how you can support this very program. It starts with leaving a quick five-star rating and a review on Apple or Spotify, if that is your preferred app of choice for listening to this very podcast. Go visit com for access to all of my previous episodes, and make sure to subscribe to the Sports Renaissance Man newsletter at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. As always, uh, you can always email the program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. And follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas Ryder. All right, Uncle Darren, let's ride. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it, the sports reporters. We have indeed reassembled, and that means that Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press is here. Andrew, good evening, sir. How are you? Aloha, sir. I am doing uh, doing pretty good, honestly. You know, it's, it's a th- things are kind of chilling um, with football season here in the uh, Michigan area. So um, yeah, well, I'm. I'm- Good. It's it, it's it's been a I hate saying uh, stress free week because if the Raiders get eliminated, then our stress levels might pick back up. Mm. 
And why is that? Um, because Jim Harbaugh might be going back to the NFL. We don't know, but mm. that's that's the like the boogie uh, the boogeyman rumor that's kind of going on. Why would you not just why retain Jim, the? Why would Jim Harbaugh want to coach a cursed Detroit Lions team as opposed to being? The, no, he's saying the, the Raiders. Raiders or the Raiders even a cursed Raiders team even. Are they you cursed? Know, oh, hey, are they cursed? So, but, the, the way they've operated over the last 25 years, you could make an argument. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't believe in curses and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know. He, if he left, he's just admitting that he's tapped out his potential at Michigan. Well, like, that's I, well, what that I th- is. I think there's a problem in college anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. That... Oh, no. Now it's college football minute all over. No, now. we're not doing Bob, that yet, Bob. Bob. It's okay. Bob, you don't have to leave Bob. yet. I haven't even introduced you. Hold on. Don't go anywhere, Bob. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think I, I do think there is a there is a fatigue in college that maybe we maybe will be brought up during uh, today's show. But yeah, but mm. in, introduce introduce Bob before he bails on us. <laughs> also here, know, you guys are going to talk about I don't know like the Tennessee Buckeyes or the right. Michigan Trojans or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Uh. Also here, Robert Silverman of the Daily Beast up there in New York City where he has a dog that doesn't follow directions. Yeah, Max is Max going to be, uh, I think uh, Chase, uh, Chase saw a tweet I shared with him. <laughs> uh, Max, the dog has been told that he's not allowed in the adult bed. We explained <laughs> it to him in complete sentences. <laughs> and yet, he's growling right now, actually. Max! Max. <laughs> Max is over it. I totally get it. He just goes in. He just goes in and like lies lies perpendicular to the bed. <laughs> takes up as much room as possible. I respect it. Also, a he's, a, he's a little dog. What is it? What is the harm? He's 20, 25 pounds. That's half the size of Khaleesi the dog. I feel like I need to get a dog. Like this is like the uh, the dog minute, and I'm yeah, just yeah, over yeah. here like yeah. You know, I would like I would like to get a dog. Um, I, the only thing that that's really holding me up in all this is the stupid uh, pet rent that you have to pay. Mm. And a lot of these places will like, oh, you're you're will, your, like over is going to charge you for it. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's the only thing that I'm like, you know what? No, because as somebody who's worked in an apartment complex, it's really not that. Like, you're basically just handing over extra money, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like doing that. You could always hide it. We'll see. No, we tried, we tried not... doing that, and then we got busted. Mm. Yeah, um, you don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, we tr- we tried that one time. It was great. Um, but when they found out, they're like, oh, how long have you had the, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, you can get put it out of your apartment for shit like that. Yeah. They were like, how long have you had the dog in the apartment? And we were honest and said, yeah, we've had it for two months. So basically there was was your mistake. Well, (laughs) and the thing is we couldn't say that it's been there for a few days because they had data and they had information that was like, oh yeah, that dog's been here a while. Um, Mm. So yeah, we had to pay two hundred bucks uh, for the n- extra rent for the next two months. I would have done a bit and played dumb and 
would have been like, oh my god, tr- where did that come? Tr- whoa, so whoa. We wanted, so we wanted to, mm-hmm. and then uh, when oh, I started hey, Max. working at the when I started working for the apartment complex, they had like all this information because they had seen it. They had seen somebody walking the dog one day, mm-hmm. and then we apparently there have been noise complaints that whoever's dog it was didn't uh, say anything about it. So mm. we were kind of screwed. Bob, what's the, what's the deal with uh, not wanting the dog in the bed? Because then the bed smells like a dog. Mm. That's yeah. Just, you don't want that smell. That's an, that's an unavoidable thing though. You gotta, I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna be able to enforce this. This is going to be hard for you, man. Like because we've got multiple dogs in the bed. The dog sleeps in the bed. The dog scratches at the top sheet. Yeah. It's, it's just a lot of work, and mm. he has his own bed. Oh, they don't care, Bob. I, I, like, I have multiple beds. I have a gigantic one in in the office here uh, for Khaleesi the dog. Sometimes she uses it, sometimes she doesn't, but she's very pro-bed. I don't know. She likes the, the big bed. She also likes being close to us, though. Like, that's the other thing. Like, Max just wants to be close to you, too. Okay, that's fine, but boundaries, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't forget, folks, you can follow Bob on Twitter.com at Bob Sayeta and subscribe to The Daily Beast if you have not already done so. And all the great reporting that goes on there, including Mr. Robert Silverman's. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Detroit Free Press if you have not already done so and follow Andrew on Twitter.com at AM Free Press. And uh, if you like listening to Bob and Andrew and myself talk about the biggest stories in sports every week, you can... Uh, Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to check out chasemuspodcast.com today if you have not already done so for access to all of my previous episodes. Um, Let's talk about a trade that involved Bob's team and my own. Cam Reddish is now a New York Nick. Bob, are you you printing the, the Zion jerseys in a Nick uniform yet? The conspiracy theories are flying... Fast and loose to Nick Lane about reuniting the 2018-2019 Duke Blue Devils in New York. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can I, tell. I, the, the sirens are going off. New York's already bumping. They're ready. I, I think it could happen. Mm-hmm. Zion could. Look, Zion is... Uh, the problem with Zion right now is... Uh, no one seems to know if he's going to play basketball again anytime. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he shot that commercial for... I forget who. Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. Mm. Where he's looking large. He's Thick. looking like a large ICC. Yeah. Jesus. What's Sorry. going on out there? <laughs> you know, I'm on the run from Johnny Law. I don't know. Sirens. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, I'm walking here. Okay. The uh, uh, Zion is looking. Look, I want. I support all roly poly basketball players. I said this about Luka Doncic. People have been saying, oh, he doesn't work out enough. Mm. Oh, he's not in good enough shape anymore. He can't get to the rim. I think he needs to get larger. <laughs> you just want he, thick basketball players? I want, I want Barkley the year he was trying to eat himself out of Philadelphia size. <laughs> Barkley was playing at like 280. Barkley gained a whole bunch of weight because I think he – I forget why – on purpose. Either why because he didn't want to be playing the Olympics or something – or he didn't want to be drafted by a specific team, so he gained a lot of weight on purpose. That's what I think Luca should do. And maybe that's what Zion is doing right now. I, the, the, the whole situation with Zion is weird because it seems like it, it, it seems like New Orleans 
was like, hey, we're trying to make this work. And then oh, Zion... They and then Zion's like, so sure. And then New Orleans, in like the same five minute span, was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe we just don't know what we're doing. I, they here. Don't, they don't, David Griffin does not know what he's doing. I don't know. You know what? Well, he doesn't have. Le- he doesn't weird. have LeBron. He doesn't. He doesn't that, have. It does Ella. tend to be a drawback in the team building process, not having Larvin Jan. Like, uh, I, like you know, people talk about the 08 Celtics kind of, you know, milking that championship for all it's worth. Yeah, David Griffin might be, <laughs> and, and and from what I've read and heard about the guy, he seems like a pretty. Yeah, he seemed like a pretty smart dude, but you could definitely tell, especially after the whole Anthony Davis debacle and the whole uh, no, and that wasn't no, it was um, Demar was it Demarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis that he also botched? Both. He he was he was there for Demarcus. No, Demarcus was uh, Delt Demps. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. But yeah, it it just seems like in the last few years it's been, oh yeah, I won a title in Cleveland. I helped put together this team in Cleveland, and it's like, yeah, dude. And literally anybody who's come through New Orleans and has left has said how much of an idiot you are. Um, just ask JJ Reddick on his podcast. But in defense of David Griffin, a little bit. They are playing really well. They're, I think, a game or two out of the play-in right I now. Mean, it was weird. They were when they, the year they got Zion. They had Zion, and they got that huge haul for Anthony Davis. They mm-hmm. got a lot for Anthony Davis, and then uh, evidently, you know, Lonzo not wanting to stay caused them to panic a little. I I liked the Valanciunas for Adams trade. It's just sort of the entire thing was. I mean, <sighs> I didn't hate the Stan Van Gundy hire at the time. It obviously didn't no, work out, it didn't but work. it was something it that. Like was defensible in the time. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, but like I don't recall anyone in the NBA just being like, "Oh, what are you doing? Bringing in SVG here?" I think it was all just like, "Oh, interesting. This could be good well, for this was, group." And it was a, it was at the time it was kind of a smart move because mm-hmm. the guy, you know, he Stan was at the end of his rope in a you know in a rebuild in Detroit. And it's like, Oh, you have young talent. You have a smart basketball guy. This could work. I, I was shocked. The, the thing that they need to do is they need to play Zion whenever he comes back at center and just roll with me. But then what does that do with Valanciunas? Cause he's been really good for them and he's still got three years on his very deal. Good. I remember my, my first, <laughs> my first memory of Jonas Valanciunas. I mean, I actually remember watching Jonas Valanciunas at the 2013 summer league <laughs> and he was playing for the Raptors then, and he was just dominating people at that summer league. He was bigger and stronger than anybody there. It was really kind of terrifying. Um, but, yeah, Don't Choose is good, but, I mean, Zion kind of needs to play center in this NBA. He does, He's, but, like, I don't think he has to play center all the time. So, like, the main thing is, like, you can still get away with, like, 24 minutes or whatever sure. of Valanchunas at the five and then it, it, putting him in and out and, like, Zion closing at the five. Here's the bigger sure. issue. None of that matters because Zion... Williamson's not playing basketball. And do you know who is yeah, playing basketball right I mean, now? Was... John Morant. John Morant's made the leap leap. Like oh John Morant. God, that, oh, you're welcome, guys. 
I posted that at the beginning of the year. I said I think in the end, John, something to the effect of I think John Morant is going to be genuine, generally considered the best player in that draft class. Mm. And uh, people uh, they they posted some rude things back to me on Twitter. Well, it's like but if Zion who's, plays, who's posting rude things now? <laughs> well, it's like if Zion plays, he's clearly the best. Like watching Zion play basketball is still just a marvel. Yes, but it's, it goes back to that exact same problem that people were talking about when he was. When he was just a just a kid with a series of dunk highlight mixtapes on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. is that nobody has ever seen? No one of his particular dimensions has played professional basketball before. Not one with his athleticism. Like mm-hmm. we've seen various, you know, chonky six eight tweener types all over the place, but none of them could jump out of a freaking gym like Zion could and you just don't know what the the question was is like well how durable is he going to be he's putting so much pressure on every single joint and tendon on a growing body on a growing body every time he jumps and how long will that last uh that was what people were worried about before he went to Duke uh that was what people were worried about even when he was having a dominant season at Duke and when he got drafted, it was, well, okay. Yeah, he's amazing, but is he built to last? And, you know, he hasn't played, and all the updates are just very vague and weird. But also on the flip side, Jaw is going to suffer, or I shouldn't say going to. Jaw has some of those same questions. Right. Jaw is an alien. Well, he's an alien until he's not. Because no human can do what he did in L.A. on Sunday. The jump, yeah. Like, he's incredibly athletic. But, like, the way he falls, he falls in a really, really crazy way all the time. He reminds me of Iverson. Who wrote that that ESPN article about teaching players how to land after dunks and the stress causes on their knees? Hmm. There's a very good ESPN.com, I believe, story about that a number of players had to relearn how to jump and land because they were only landing on one leg when they jumped for just even after finishing a dunk or a mm. layup. And so, so there was this biometric re- retraining their bodies how to make sure they dispersed the force evenly when they came down and that it was a huge help in terms of avoiding injury. Uh, John just swings himself all over the court. Yeah, it's a mm. huge question. You know it's not going to get hurt? Jumping all over the place, RJ Barrett because he doesn't <laughs> jump a lot. So Cam's not really froggy either. He's uh he no no mm. no he he's got that incredibly poor probably needs to file for some kind of government assistance. Uh, Paul George vibe about him. <laughs> so you're not in on him. Jeez. You don't think he's going to help you right now? I think he's fine. I think he's a he's still super young. Like... He's so young, and he's got. <laughs> <laughs> he's been so bad defensively. He's one of the worst he's NBA defenders. He's a player who spent three years in the league, and it's not fairly evident that they're going to be a borderline all-star, and then they become one. Hmm. Maybe Chris Williamson, Chris Middleton, rather. Mm-hmm. It's usually when you see it, like, okay, you watch John Moran play, you say, okay, yeah, he could make an all-star team. You can make multiple all strips. Did he make it last year? I honestly can't remember. I don't remember but, either. Uh, yeah. I, that 2020 All-Star game was just kind of 
I don't know. Random. Tobias Harris is another one who you could say in his first couple of years when he was sort of playing for some mediocre to terrible Milwaukee Bucks teams. No one knew whether he The difference though is they were playing. Like, Cam's missed a lot of time. Like, Cam has Cam missed a, a lot, lot of games. Just, I watch him, and, and he reminds me of, of Mo Harkless. I'm oh, just no. not. I am not particularly impressed with Cam Reddish. I think it. I think it's a decent trade. Uh, trading a guaranteed mid first rounder for a guy who could be maybe pop. Yeah, you probably have a better shot at getting a quality rotation guy out of Cam Reddish than you do whomever. You know, Atlanta picks when they well, make that selection. Well, it's also just a good like, hey, it for it's a good situation for Cam. Like, if he's ever going to figure it out, like especially on the defensive sure. end, it's in. Thib system like this is a good spot for him and having rj around he's like not really a tibbs kind of player well not yet he's, not. he's 21 no. 22 like we don't uh-huh. know yet that's also not a usually a <laughs> also what is a tibbs player your best player already overpaid not good who's tibbs your best like who's a tibbs player yeah, anymore tibbs likes, Taj gibson he likes he likes alfred payton types. yeah that's he not likes good grinders who are uh i yeah i don't know that's tibbs. not good Tibbs is, uh, I don't know, there's not a lot of room in the rotation barring another trade. The guy mm. they drafted, Grimes, is actually pretty fun to watch. I don't know that I would play Cam Reddish over him right now. But, I mean, look, for Atlanta, you understand why they did it. They get a quote-unquote asset. They clear out one of the, a wing that they weren't going to pay in a year or two anyway. Not a um, year or two, it's they, this year. Like, he's up for his extension this year. Yeah, but you could let him play out the following season as a, and then deal with him as a restricted free agent. You don't need to extend him. Well, I don't think that's the plan. I don't think that's – I think that's part of the reason he's been well, shipped yeah, away. And right, I know. And they're going to have to extend, you know, other guys before mm-hmm. they have to – before they pay camp. Well, the Hawks don't have any money. Like, that's it. Like, we – like, the four extensions with Kurt, with Herter, Collins, uh, Trey, um, it's – there's no money. Like, there's there's just no money. And you yes, still have me and Peyton Kong with it. cough up some of those, you know, residuals from DVD purchases. No, we're already nearing the luxury tax, man. Like, this is a team that might not make the playoffs. It's in luxury tax situation. Good luck. Mm-hmm. No. I'm just excited. I, I hope I hope this leads to something else. Like, there are Hawks fans who are on the fence about Collins for Simmons and Filler. And I'm just like, no, you, you do that tomorrow. Yeah. You do that yesterday, rather. Um, no. Oh yeah, like Simmons and Trey, the passing alone, and Ben being the screener for Trey, and Trey getting to play what, off the ball a lot more. That it, what, is, what is Atlanta's best package for Ben Simmons? Uh, Collins, Hunter. No, Hunter. They probably wouldn't want Hunter. Um, I would say Collins, Herder, and then three firsts. We have all of our picks. We literally have all of our picks. picks. I think you got three picks this year. Yes, we do. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So we have it's it's really the war chest of picks, and Collins. Right, I just don't think I think you need to find a third team because Collins. I, I don't know what, how much value Collins has on an Embiid centric team. I would throw Bogey in there too. Really have a point guard to get Collins the ball. Yeah, I mean Tyrese Maxey's okay, but I, I think maybe the I, I don't know. It's not a clean fit, but they're not going to get a clean fit. You can't just have Ben Simmons not play basketball all year, and he just sits at home. You, you like, can, oh, you can, you can do that. It's just bad yeah, for the league, and it's, it's bad for Simmons. It's bad for the Sixers, but it's bad for your team. Like you are it's, wasting it's a prime and bead year. You can't ben do this. Simmons, <laughs> he still can. I'm not. Never I'm not forget. moving off that. Yeah, I'm not moving off I, that. Especially if he's. I know you're not. Especially if he's an Atlanta Hawk. 
Sign me up. Um, you know that you know that you know that uh, meme of, of Beavis staring at his own gravestone where he <laughs> says he never scored. That's you, except it's saying Ben Simmons is a Hall of Famer. Okay, well we'll see. I mean, we still got a lot of time. Uh, well, we we will. T- excuse me. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back. All right, we are back on the Chase Mills Podcast, the Sports Reporters edition of this very podcast. Um, we talked about Jaw a little bit at the top here. Andrew, when you look at them beating the Warriors the way they did, do you see the opportunity for the Grizzlies to actually break through? Because that's been the conversation this week. Is like, are they so ahead of schedule that they could actually win the West for you? Are you there with the Grizzlies? Oh, what month is it? It is oh, January. Okay, ask me in June. Well, June's well, too late. Yeah, we'll, we'll know by June. Okay, yeah. Well, June, May, ask, like, we do Just, this every year. With no, the Grizzlies are not. The Grizzlies are not ready to break through. The answer is no, no. No, they're not. Well, and, 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 and this is why I say that. Look at the Chicago Bulls. Everybody was excited. You know, this, you know, this Wednesday, I think you have Wednesday night showdown with the Nets. It's the two best teams in the East, and holy crap, did the Bulls look average? It was, and it, and and it felt like Brooklyn was sending a message saying, "Oh, you want to play with the big boys? Okay, this is what it's going to be like if you want to go seven games with us or Milwaukee." I feel the same way. Yeah, it's, it's with the Bulls, Memphis. The Bulls, the Bulls need to pull off a trade if they're going to compete in the East. They need, like, they need Harrison I, Barnes is the guy they should be gunning for, and I think they can get him if they trade Patrick. I know they're all still very much in love with Patrick Williams, but trade Patrick Williams for for Harrison Barnes, that team could compete. People are sleeping on how good Harrison Barnes has been for so long. Well, and the thing about Harrison Barnes is it's kind of like how it was in Miami with not necessarily just Chris Bosh, but and this is no comparison to, you know, to Harrison Barnes, but role players who know what they can do. Harrison Barnes can absolutely. Yeah. If you need Harrison Barnes to just be a defender and a spot of 3 and D guy, he can do that. If you need him to create off the dribble, he can do that. If you need him to like to to pass and run a, a solid pick and roll, he can do that. And it, and, it, and it doesn't mean that his role in, or his significance on the floor is lessened because yeah, like of that. Harrison, Bar- a Harrison Barnes, Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine-led team can win the East. Um, can it? And they should- can it? Yeah, Are we sure? Okay. Yeah. 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 I feel like they can. I don't feel like they're favored. I still feel like it's going to end up being a Milwaukee, Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference Finals, but that team could break through. I mean, look, Milwaukee was, like, as we've said many times, a couple of, you know, tootsies away from Kevin Durant from being knocked out before they even got to the finals. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they easily could. Okay, I'm I'm I'm, st- I'm still gonna uh, insert my preseason pick of the Miami Heat. Um, hmm. Who's I'm in there? Omar Yurtsevin. Oh yeah, All because you, because Bam, Bam, Bam is out what six to eight weeks. Yeah, with, uh, with an injury. Yeah. Bam's out. Dwayne Hero's Dayman's been good out. though. You get Victor Oladipo back soon, I, I believe. I think he's I, uh, Victor's washed. Come on. 
He might be washed, but he's in the heat system. I don't know. It's just another body. I uh, no, the heat are yeah, definitely if, in there. If 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 Victor Oladipo is in the heat system, that means in April and May in the playoffs, he's going to have two games that are like, holy crap! Mm-hmm. Where 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 was this guy at all season? Because that's watched, what the Heat man. generally that's do. Sad because Oladipo was so fun to watch play, but he's kind of he must beat LeBron. Never forget that uh, indie series. That was one of my favorite uh, basketball series um, several years ago. Oh, that, they weren't gonna. They they weren't winning that series. They were. They were in it, man. I go back and watch a lot of those games. Like Victor Oladipo was going at. Oh yeah, LeBron, they, like, they were great, but they th- there is a. There is a a thing, and and you see it in I'm sports. Sorry, no, no team out west though looks better than Phoenix. I really don't think anyone's getting like yeah. Phoenix. I think is making it back to the finals. People are oh absolutely them because they're just doing the same thing they did last year. But they're still, you know, they're they're still Phoenix. They're very well coached. They're a smart team, and and they still it's have the same exact ball. roster too. Like if you watch them yeah. overnight and you just keep up with the box scores, it's just the same dudes playing the same amount of minutes every night. It's just a machine. It's a well-oiled machine of nothing but vets. Yeah. It's wild how consistency in the NBA is. Like, oh, look at that. It's yeah. a, look, the, the Suns Warriors Finals is going to be a blast. That's yeah. going to be tons of what, 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 Western Conference Finals. You mean? Yeah, Western Conference. Oh, I was like, well, I was like, hold on, I was like, oh, yeah, no. Also, just Those the fireworks games, of LeBron going yes. down in the first round again, like him just getting you buried think, by Golden State or Phoenix. Make it so that you you think they're actually going to make it to a playoff? <laughs> I'm not. That's... That the, the the shot in front of the Russell Westbrook trade not panning out is just delightful. It, to me. it is. And I say that who was defended. That's a guy who's always defended Russ and thought Russ is awesome and fun, even though know, for it's what, rough to watch. But it, like it watching is. him just every spot on the floor right now is a bad shot for him. It's just it's weird. It's yeah. really weird watching him play and watching a guy that used to be able to score from anywhere not being able. It's it, it, it okay, Bob. Is it like David Duvall? Do, do you feel like a David Duvall type thing? Is that a golf working? reference, David Duvall? George yes. Tech legend? Okay. The one that, you're asking uh, me about golf. <laughs> I'm just saying, is it a like David Duvall thing. I, I really have no idea. Okay, so like, is he an obscure North Carolina politician? What am no, I? No, no, so, he actually okay, went so to Georgia David Tech. Duvall was like mm. a top five golfer in the world at okay. one point, and okay. all of a sudden one day he just he just couldn't play anymore, and it was like this holy crap. You were literally the number two to Tiger Woods for like two or three years, and all of a sudden, you can't Look, make three Russ foot was, Russ was always because Russ never developed. Russ never de- developing a consistent outside shot would have been something that could have been, he said, subjunctivizing and conjunctivizing of his own clause. It could have been manageable a decade ago. You could have still figured out a way to make him be successful. It just isn't now. And now that he's lost, you know, a step off of his insane athleticism that he had four years ago, five years ago, it just it doesn't work. I mean, maybe if you surrounded him with four other killer shooters and played him at a de facto center and screener, sure, you could sort of make it work. Um, but... Not in, the, not in an NBA where spacing and shooting are, are so 
are so so deeply intertwined in a, an off the success of an office. He was just never going to age and, well because he was never going to be the third guard. Like he would still be right. extremely valuable he if that's yeah. Right. Vince Carter figured out once once he stopped being able to leap out of the gym, he said, "Okay, fine. I can still be rely on my intelligence and rely on and develop a consistent outside jumper and figure out how to be a valuable role guy for a decade." That was amazing that he managed to do that and, and give and, himself an entire second career. And everyone loved Vince for that, but. But Russ, Russ isn't not to be reductive, but Russ isn't built that way. Yeah. He will. Russ will be eighty years old and still think he could just yam it. And <laughs> I respect it. Um, yes, no, it's, you do. It's, it is it, worth respecting his utter obstinacy and refusal to change. He's like Bartleby the gosh darn scrivener man. I'm. He's I'm. I'm following ahead. I'm fascinated on how. This Lakers team, like people, it, it took till like mid-January of everybody kind of. Think, I mean, if you're smart I enough, you realize this summer. You yeah, said no, it no, this no, summer. no. We I'm all saying. said it this summer. We all said, people had them in the like, finals, and we were all I'm, like, I'm talking, no. I'm talking on like on, on a on a massive scale. Everybody's starting to figure out. Oh, maybe this was a bad idea. Yes, a don't let LeBron be the GM. A, a, a poorly there. constructed roster of older guys. Yeah. It kind of, sort of doesn't work out. This isn't 2K, kids. Um, <laughs> the, it, the, the, the I still say, I still be, say they should have tearing tried. people up if it was 2014. Yeah. They got, no, a, they got a great I, 2014 roster. I still say the Lakers should have tried to get Buddy healed. Like, uh, yeah. But it's over. Like, that's the thing is, like, that's what's interesting is it's all gone now. Yeah, I know. I don't know what they're going to do. They don't have a choice. There's no there's no assets. There's nothing that they can move. They are absolutely screwed. Like, I if I like I get it because you think you can still compete and you bring in the guys who you brought in. You're like, okay, we might be able to do something. But the sad thing is these guys are older and. See, I'm going to go back to what I said, I think, a month ago, which is, I think LeBron is in New York by this time next year. Oh, I think he's out of L.A. I don't think, I said uh, Phoenix. I don't think he's, I don't think he's in New York. Where would, where else would he go? Honestly, I think he will chill in one of two places. He will chill in L.A. until Bronny is ready. <laughs> Hold on. What, can or, we pause there for a second, though? Why do people just assume he's making the NBA? He's not a five-star kid. Why are people just penciling dude, him in? He's, dude, he's... He, yeah. It, here's the thing. If you he's, are... He's getting and, nepotism into the NBA. I was going to oh, say, yeah. like, we we did this with Michael Jordan's kids. You remember, like, what was it? Didn't okay, one of them go to Michael, Illinois? Michael Jordan's yeah. kids weren't good. Like, Bronny, Michael we Jordan's don't know kids. yet. It's not looking great. It's not looking like he's going to be a superstar. Yeah, he's what a junior? Like there's. Let me pull him up because I don't. I mean, he might be a Tennessee right. volunteer in a couple years, so I gotta, I, I gotta be ready <laughs> gotta, for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play nice, but no. I mean, I look at, I look at a, a kid like Bronny, and I'm just like, okay, you know, he could, he could make D1 rosters. Um, but that's not an NBA player. Well, no. I mean, here comes the NYPD to talk about about his Russell Westbrook takes. So. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I, th- I think he's going to wait either 
till Bronny. He's going to wait till the Lakers until Bronny is in the league. Or I think, and I know you guys may laugh at this. We may. <laughs> he he goes to Cleveland and wraps up his career there. Uh, no, he's not. Going he can't back. go back a third time. He can't go back a third time. You you you're you're not telling me that they would at least. I'm not saying that you gotta go for another title before he retires, but he at least goes back. I don't before think he, he. I don't think he feels like he was done. I think he got Cleveland a title, and now he's done yeah. with that. I don't think he could do it a third time. I I don't, I don't even so. think Cleveland wants him this time. Like they're actually doing okay. No, they would. They would be. They would absolutely. If, I wouldn't if take him back a third time. I'm like we no, finally. They would. They uh, absolutely would. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, no, and, no. And, and and plus you have the corpse of Kevin Love out there. So you hey, know. good leader. Kevin man. is playing quality. Yeah, Kevin. He, he didn't deserve that stray. He didn't I, deserve that stray. Um, no, I just. I, I, he's having, he, he looks like a Brooklyn dad, and he's putting up. A, <laughs> His per I don't, I, numbers but, are outstanding. You know, I, don't think LeBron, I don't think LeBron is going to go to New York. I don't know where I he goes. Feel like he just is leaving, I think. Such, look, as a career capper, as a people, LeBron likes to, you know, sort of wrap himself in these narratives. And, and every single time he's made a move, it's within the context of some, like, seeing himself as a, he thinks he's Beowulf or something ish <laughs> like that. He's he's going to redefine the narrative of the game. And so what did he do? He started out playing for his hometown team, didn't work, went to Miami, formed a super team, got two titles there, went back to Cleveland, formed another super team, uh, got one title there, went to L.A. and, you know, decided he was going to be a Hollywood mogul and a mover and a shaker, won a title there during the weirdest season in recent NBA memory. And what would be more fitting as a capper than returning to New York and rescuing the Knicks. Yeah, that ain't happening. I think that's just Bob willing that into existence. Yeah. No, um, no I, I, would, I would be good. Look, no, no, I'm not willing that into existence. I'm saying, if you are looking, there is no other team in the NBA he could go to that would draw more attention to him and to his play on a night-in, night-out basis than leaving the Lakers to try to once and for all rescue the Knicks. I disagree. Do you know where it is? It's Philly. LeBron and oh, Embiid, God, no. if you do LeBron for Simmons, no. oh, yeah. Oh, yes. No. You no. put Simmons in LA. No. That's a good spot no. for him. You put... No, no one no. cares about... The only time people cared about Philly is when... When the when the when the president of basketball person was running a, a multi level marketing scheme to rip off fans, no one cares. About Wait, hold on, you're forgetting a Brian Colangelo story that still is that was, just that the all hilarious. But <laughs> no one cares. No one actually cares. Sorry, Philadelphians. Leave Trill Bro Sorry. dude alone. He's been friend of the pod. A lot of good Sixer diehards. Philly fans still have the hardest. They went the hardest of any fan base that won a title in the last 20 years like what philadelphia was after Nick, the nick bulls title still incredible i think it would mean a lot i think it'd be big no joel and lebron that'd be so no. much fun no. no nobody nobody cares about philadelphia basketball okay we'll end People with this care about Giannis, but nobody cares about the freaking bucks mm. it's, i'm telling you what franchise in and of itself would provide the best narrative vehicle for LeBron? I think the only answer is New York. A close second would be Boston. He's not hilarious. And he's not going to Boston. Yeah, like the whole... Somebody was mentioning 
oh yeah, Ben Simmons going to Boston. I'm like, have y'all not read up on the whole clutch uh, Celtics beef that's basically out there? That crap ain't happening. Also, just, I mean, the history with black athletes in Boston and just how they're treated anyway or how players are treated. Like, you're going to be in it. They're not going to be nice. Like, like, well, eh, if he struggles, what I'm saying is like, if he struggles, they are going to let him know. And that's just Eh, not a, not a good spot for Ben Simmons. Well, also LeBron's a minority owner in the, uh, in the Boston Red Sox. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's true. Like, Okay. Um, uh, look, I'm not saying it will happen. I'm saying if I, there's a non-zero chance LeBron just plays out the string in LA, and that's that. It's but, a sad ending though, because there's no path to them figuring this out. Uh, there's nothing. I mean, they'd have to it, trade Anthony Davis. I, I'm not saying it's a sad ending, but it feels very. And this sounds kind of screwed up. It feels very appropriate. Like mm. what they wanted to do in getting the Lakers, this title. I'm fine with the Lakers, like eating a, a little bit of crow here. That's entirely fine for me. It's also, not also, not at it, all it, Lakers fans who weren't around for the mid nineties. Yeah. This is what it was like. Mediocre. Mediocre. Mm. <laughs> a little, little Morton Joe there for the kids on a Saturday morning. There you go. We'll end with this guys. NFL playoffs this weekend. Uh, a yeah. lot of divisional or wild card games. Bob, which wild card game are you most interested in, and why? Uh, I, I'm very. I'm going to be very. I'm amped for the for the Bucks Eagles game. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I want to. I want to watch Tom Brady just get punched in the nads or something. That would be fun for me. I think this Bucks team is actually ripe for an upset, and I think Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles just might be the plucky underdogs to do it. Agreed. Hmm. If there was going to be an upset, Bucks Eagles. I'm not placing any money on that, even though you can wager legally in New York State now. Have you made a bet yet, sir? Yeah, that's fun. My entire Twitter feed is sponsored ads for the Action <laughs> Network and DraftKings. Oh, it's so bad. It's everywhere. I have to keep. I, bl- I I have blocked so many sponsored tweets. I'm just like guys, I don't want to place a bet on tonight's uh, Knicks Spurs game. Thank you for the offer, <laughs> kind of you, to suggest that I place a bet on the game. But no, I don't want to do that. Thank you for offering me two hundred dollars and a free jersey to place a bet on tonight's game. But no, I'm not going to do that. Thank you very much. Um, the <laughs> it's really funny now. The, the the most commonly played ad during any Knicks games is a FanDuel spot featuring Aaron Paul. Yes, I don't know if you've seen that one. I have not. Unfortunately, yes. Also, yeah, it's Aaron Paul. Uh, let's say in the Matrix. Or, or possibly Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse, and he's, <laughs> and he's just sort of in a very intense voice that's still somehow Jesse Pinkman at the same time talking about the merits of gambling. It's really all of my ads are celebrities getting paid for gambling. Ben Affleck trying to let let me know that I can gamble. Uh, Aaron Paul, of course. Uh, Jamie Fox is does a, a another gambling ad that plays regularly. JB, everybody's tired of JB Smooth. JB Smooth. Wait, who's Caesar. who's tired of him? 
He's still an absolute delight. Those ads are awful. Oh, well, the ads, I don't care. No, no, no. I I wouldn't say that they are awful, but when you see the, like, they're funny, but after, like, the second or third time, you're just like, oh, okay. You know what's the best one? And by best, I mean the absolute worst, is the freaking (laughs) Matt Damon. Oh, my. Oh, it's so bad. The Matt Damon Bitcoin commercial. Oh, my God. Do you feel so, Bob? Oh my Chase, God, it's it, really it, out of the Tim and Eric extended universe. Do you guys Damon. feel like we're in this ultra, like we're we're in this timeline where virtual currency <laughs> is just ruining it's the viewing of it's everything? A, it's a money laundering operation. Everyone. Oh my God, it's so, no value it's so to it. Is. It has. It is. There is no inherent value. Let's talk about fiat currency and what value it has. It is a note that replaces things of real world value. Bitcoin is just speculating. It is it is freaking it is the Dutch tulip speculation of the 17th century, but on steroids. There is it is it is providing no service or no need. It is just a giant pump and dump scheme and useful for money laundering. That's what it is. And guess what? Sorry, everyone. Bubbles pop. That's what makes them bubbles. And and this is what I worry about the sports betting bubble in America. Like, that bubble is going to pop. I don't know, man. Gambling is pretty pretty sustainable. No, no, no. no, no. I'm talking about for all of these places. Like, Caesars, MGM. Yeah. They can survive. I worry about the fan duels and like the. You worry about the mom and pop gambling establishment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, and I look at fan duel. I look at like anything are, that they hasn't. Are, they are all heavily leveraged. They are fine. I'm telling you, though, like there's a very good article if you'd like to read it in the New Republic about how what about look the problem with all speculative markets is that. The point is to funnel wealth from poor people to rich people. Mm-hmm. And what 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 you you the what will happen to all of those people who get ripped off when the when the thing when once there are no more rubes to funnel into this? I mean the reason Matt Damon is doing commercials is because they are they need a constant new influx of people investing in it in order to keep the price going up. And eventually you run out of rooms. And when that happens, all the people holding the bag cash out. And I'm telling you, it is terrifying to think about what kind of, say, political mindset those people are going to turn to when they were told by all of these hucksters and snake oil salesmen that investing in Bitcoin was the the path to the the future American dream. And that includes you, Matt Damon, you, 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 you useless (laughs) Paraquat. Mm. Oh my god. For for actually getting, you don't need the money. <laughs> money to do this commercial. You do why did you do that? You don't either, Affleck. Neither do you, Jamie Foxx. I'm sorry there aren't any artistically fulfilling movies being made right now that aren't <laughs> Marvel or Disney. But Okay, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I agree with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I think we all do, right? Like that was one of those we all agree. I, I agree to a certain point, but, but that doesn't like... mean you need to do a Bitcoin commercial. <laughs> oh, Mr. Matt Damon, I am I'm deeply concerned about the impacts of global warming and the. What do you think Bitcoin mining does? You again, useless paraquat. Uh, just 
it is the, the the cynicism and the unmitigated gall of it. If those people are going to be like Bitcoin investors are overwhelmingly, by the way, white and male and young. And that is a population that when you get it incredibly angry and feeling like the system doesn't mean anything anymore and that they've been ripped off, which they are being in this case, you uh, like, honestly, it is they are ripe for picking by actual fascists. And if you want to score like. Like, look at the Venn diagram between the politics of the people pushing Bitcoin and the actual far right. There is a lot of overlap. It's actually terrifying. And I'm saying that when I have to watch a commercial for it while watching, you know, an Eagles-Bucks playoff game, that to me is upsetting. I don't like it. I'd prefer not to have to. So you don't like Crypto.com Arena? Crypto.com Arena. That's (laughs) on you, Larvin Jam. But I do like the crypt. Like the crypt is a cool name for oh, no, That part not. is cool. Like it's we're going to just, play at the crypt. It's 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 always gonna be staples to me. Great. Damn it. So now LeBron is the crypto keeper. That's his new nickname. Actually, it's kind of a bad badass name. Yeah. Uh, Slim Reaper was um, cool too. Um, I'll just say Chase. Can yes. I can I just give you my playoff? Yes, pick? please. Because uh, Bob is. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine because I'm about to go on a Bob style rant too. Uh. Yeah, I'm watching everything. I'm 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 watching everything besides uh, Rams Cardinals because if I'm ESPN slash ABC and I had my pick of of games to put on Monday night, that's not a game I want. I oh, want I disagree. Okay, I think Sunday Night Football is, got screwed. Is, like Chiefs Steelers, I'm not watching any of that. This is not down to watch Cooper Cup. You're not a Cooper this Cup. This is fan. this is the NFL trying to make Los Angeles work. Mm. This is because this is what the MLS did with both LAFC and the LA Galaxy. Of course, they're trying to make it Los Angeles work. Okay, you know, like I said, I get it. I totally get it. But you, you have to do it organically. Because what's happening with MLS right now, they put put them as the quote-unquote best rivalry in the league. Nobody cares. Nobody in the league cares about LAFC except LAFC and LA Galaxy. That's the – and they're doing it with the Rams. Like you saw the Rams road game last week uh, against the Niners, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have to make LA success – organic and if you keep shoving it down everybody's throats and they no, don't cash in on no, it no i think it's, it's, i think it's fine i think the the, the the nfl does not care i think the nfl is fine with saying we will get as many oh absolutely california residents to watch Absol- the game as we can and we're fine yeah, with no, it. Absolutely. people will turn it for kylo murray it's fine yeah no oh, I, I totally it. who would you put into that game anyway who would you have I, I would have so here's what i would have done if you would have had ramp if you would have had raiders chiefs do that Monday night. Or That's a terrible what, game. What you should have yeah. done. What you should have done is Cowboys Niners. Mm. Yeah. I would have done yeah. Cowboys Niners. Yeah, but Cowboy, the Cowboys are going to draw an audience no matter where you put well, them. And, and, well, I think Niners Cowboys. It's also going to be the all-time great uniform game. Like oh, the aesthetics absolutely. of this game is just yeah. going to be top-notch. And, and also. That uh, can I make? I have another point about that. The Rams uniforms, which everyone made fun of when they first were, still revealed, hate them. Yeah, they're not good. I kind of like them. Yeah, no, they bad suck. take. No, no, they I kind of like them. 
They look like oh, they bad, look like a Bitcoin ring. The classics were they, great. There was nothing wrong with the blue and yellow from the the pre the Eric Dickerson years, and then having the blue cannot, and white as the alternate. You cannot actually return to a classic sports uniform these days because all the teams make too much money selling the throwbacks. Yeah. So you need to have them be at least slightly different. That's well, why you get these fauxback kind of things. That well, and and you're and with the NFL. So the good thing is the NFL is getting rid of the one shell rule, which I thought was the stupidest thing in the world. Because you can it's it's not like you guys don't have the resources to make and and produce, you know, helmets at mass quantities. Jesus Christ. Um, So I think we're going to get a lot more throwbacks. Shout out to Pat Patriot. We're going to get you out, Pat. We're gonna we're, we're gonna get you out of here. I just want Bucko Bruce. I want oh I want that God. I want that I want if, that ravishing Errol Flynn type pirate. If back on they home. do that, I might have to get a creamsicle Brady jersey. Just get a Doug Williams, man. It's okay. It's the I, here's the thing. I want a Doug Williams, but if Mitchell and Ness isn't gonna sell the Doug Williams jersey, I will have well, to. Right. I know some I know some websites that oh, <laughs> I hate they're, they're those not shady websites. The, Yes, Bob. I know that you are. I tried. I actually tried. I worked around the fringes of a story like that. I wanted to talk to as many. Uh, I wanted to get the NFL, the NBA, and and Major League Baseball and the NHL on the phone and be like, "Look, if you want to buy a, a jersey of one of your teams that is not an officially market, officially licensed league product, it is not very hard." Why are you guys not cracking down on oh, dude, it's the copyright so violations? And the answer is, you can't. It's the world's largest game of whack-a-mole. But, yeah. there, I, I mean, that I sort of did some noodling around and put basically, and no, you know, I didn't get like to talk to anybody, but what everyone I spoke to said is like, yeah, it's not really a story. There's just nothing they can do. And I didn't want to, you know... It, it just it ended up not being like a worthwhile story to report out. But like basically, yeah, there is a there is the secondary market or not even secondary market the, the the janky jersey market. The janky jersey market is alive and thriving. So yes, what I'm saying is I can send you some slightly sketchy links if you need to. <laughs> yeah, no, jersey. I I've I've so I was looking for a Randall Cunningham jersey, and nice. I saw what they had on the quote unquote secondary market. I'm just like, you know what? I might as well not like, but let me, let me love myself and not spend 150 on something that was something. I can get it free for less than 150. Oh dude. Hey, oh, I know. I know. But I'm just saying like, you see some of the stuff on the secondary market and if I see a fan like when the the gray market, like, like, like when the, when the, give me that Barkowski. Jersey, blame Bob. that dude for that for that janky jersey. Like, there's a lot of people rocking there, arms, and I'm just like, oh god, love yourselves. I, 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 like, if you want to buy a product from the Philippines, that's if you really need like uh, a jersey from when Danilo Gallinari played for Armani jeans, that, that I can get you that. That's easy to get. That's what it's, I know. I feel like Cosmo Kramer here. I'm like, oh, you need to. <laughs> I know a guy. Oh man! I, I am such. I am a dork for those incredibly sketchy Philippines-based websites selling, <laughs> doing copyright theft, and it's like fifty bucks. I'm like, That's, and it's so bad. It seems like a good deal. 
I don't need more sports jerseys, but that does seem like a good deal. Bob, what is your pick of the week? Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's it's a it's a bit of a throwback. I, I've started watching the show that everyone else watched a long time ago, mm. uh, The Americans, and I'm finding it quite. Oh, enjoyable. nice! It's, it's a great got, show. I love it. It's got Carrie Russell, who who lives nearby, so and, and her husband Matthew Riesel. They're they're in the neighborhood, so I can say hi and talk to them about it. Wait, they're married? Yeah. Learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, my my cousin by marriage is in the first like season and a half, so that's always fun for me. Okay. Um, he played General Zukov. Um, in any case, I'm about a, a season and a half into it. I watch it before I fall asleep, and then I fall asleep in the middle of the episode. Um, it's 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 utterly unrealistic in as in terms of what like actually the. Uh, Russian moles in the U.S. were doing, but it's quite delightful and suspenseful and, and well written, and you know, all those uh, hot early '80s fashions. They'll throw an episode of WKRP in Cincinnati on in the background every now and then, you know, just to make sure you get the period piece right. Uh, I, I I hadn't watched it before, but it's it's quite delightful. I don't know if it's prestige TV, but it is fun and well made. I would count it. All that. You know, I mean, I, it's utterly it's. Uh, I don't, I don't think you could make a realistic spy movie because it would be very boring. But again, as as uh, but in terms of the, as a genre show, I dig it. It's fun. And if you haven't watched The Americans, I recommend it. Okay. Andrew, what about you? It has delightful um, character actress Margot Martindale. Who doesn't she is that. fantastic. I've actually met her before. Really? Uh, yeah, she was in Seattle at like a... At like a comic con or something, or like like one of the cons or something, and a friend of mine was uh, was doing an article, and I just went with him, and he needed to um, he needed to, he, she, she was in something like around twenty around twenty nineteen early twenty nineteen, and so. She was in- she had a guest spot. She had a recurring guest role on uh, BoJack Horseman. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's why she would have been a, a con type thing because yeah. she was a BoJack Horseman character. She played yeah. herself. Because so BoJack Horseman. Character. Yeah, because we were. He was also supposed to, supposed to talk to William Daniels, aka Mr. Feeney, but yeah. the schedules got messed up, and I was very sad because that's why I basically went. So. Um, no, my pick of the week, uh, Peacemaker, HBO Max, mm. fantastic. Just if you haven't watched it, you it, when you watch the show intro, you're just like, this is very James Gunn. This is very John Cena, and it works. Um, just like it, it 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 does a great job of making it a very John Cena show who also follows me on Twitter. Um, does he? And, yes, he does. That's nice. Um, no, it's, who's, it's your best, who's your best celebrity follow? Hmm. Who's the most, who's your favorite celebrity who follows you on Twitter.com? <sighs> I gotta think That's about a this. good one. Karan Butler's. Um, That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Rich Cho, either... former GM Rich Cho. Oh, Daryl Morey. 
I think so. There you go. Maury follows you on Twitter. I believe That's so. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I've, I've made enough jokes about Jerome Maury. I'm surprised he uh, didn't uh, block me. Uh, tell me <laughs> Fertitta followed me on Twitter for a little huh. bit. Um, so I'm he just letting those DMs me. and tell him what's what. Oh, I know. He, Beckley uh, Mason. It's a name only for true, true hoop heads. <laughs> I'm just giving it. If, if he's not, listening, he's gonna love that I threw it out there. Pop's reaction, no. That's not a celebrity um, follow. Look, I, I think I, have I told this story on the on the pod about the about the flavor foul. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Which is which which is also hilarious. He he referred to me as Doctor Clown. <laughs> um, mine is just a, just a humble brag. Mine is Chuck D. Okay. Yeah, Chuck, Chuck D used to follow me on Twitter. Um, he follows a lot of people. It's yeah. not that big a deal. He follows. Yeah, oh yeah, no. Like so, Tay Diggs followed me on Twitter. So and yeah, then Tay, yeah. But but the thing is, Tay Diggs retweets everybody, and it's kind of like, why are you retweeting that video model who's clearly been in surgery a few times? Not a good look, dude. Um, he just be doing some weird stuff on Twitter. So um, people do weird things on this website, man. That's true. Um, yeah, but Peacemaker, watch it. Uh, the first three, they've got the first three episodes on there. Um, okay. New episodes every Thursday. So that's what this is I, not HBO Max sponsored content. Just to be clear, all but I'm we're okay saying, with it. I'm very pro HBO, HBO Max. Max. Did want to sponsor the pod? Yeah. We that do, would be nice. We do celebrate. We do, you know, give thumbs up to a lot of HBO Max programming. It's um, great stuff. They well, HBO Max needs great to, value. Uh, needs needs to get their sports up because um, AEW pay per views would be perfect on there. But mm. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. My uh, my pick of the week as we wrap up TV. here. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. My uh, and there's a Turner crossover there, right? So I guess it's a possibility. Um, it could work. My pick of the week: Landscapers on HBO Max, the four-part miniseries uh, that the Sports Renaissance Woman and I went through. Um, Is it about landscaping? No, it's uh, it's really good. It's the guy. It's um, what's her name? Julia Campbell, I think, from Broadchurch, which is like one of my three okay. favorite shows of all time. Um, but it's super, super good. It's based on a, uh, a real story of a couple that, uh, went away for killing her parents and just oh, the days. Oh, David Thewlis. Yeah. Yes. I saw that. It's, it's so good. David yes. And it's, it's on HBO Max? Yeah, it's only four episodes, but the way it's okay. shot and just the, the way they put it all together is extraordinary. Um, yeah, Olivia Coleman is who I'm thinking that. of. Um, it's time for Chase. I think you need to start watching some some Ken Loach movies. <laughs> they are they are hyper realistic, mm-hmm. dour British movies about socialism. Oh, I'll I watch everything next. British. If it's British, I'll I'll watch it. I, I think it that's is. my favorite genre. So you watch The Crown too? No, not that I'm kind of stuff. You, I'm yeah. going to send you some. I'm going to send you some literal communist propaganda from British <laughs> oh, socialist Ken Loach, <laughs> uh, and at least one will have David Thewlis in it. Um, no, I like He's the dark stuff, Andrew. Yes, yeah. it is dark. It is it is about the it is about the horrors of life under capitalism. It is some bleak stuff, man. So oh, you mean like not like real life? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Just like oh, it's it, you said you said it's dark capitalism. I'm over here like oh, so bread you know. and roses, for example, a sad British man decides to go fight. 
with the uh, Republican army in Spain before World War II. And he's sad, and sad things happen. British mm. people are always sad. I mean, they eat he's beans for breakfast. He's tasty and sad. That's, That's my M.O. Tasty and sad. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the Journey of an Englishman. Actually, that'd be a badass book. Yeah. Mm. There you go. That might be the the memoir for me. Have you read uh, Have you read Down and Out in Paris and London? I have not. It's a It's an early Orwell, and it's basically about him working in restaurants in in both those places. Mm. Um, but it's a, it's it's as far as a, a true to life portrayal of life in the restaurant industry, especially you know at the turn in the beginning of the twentieth century. It's an outstanding read. It's gritty. Oh, I'm sad. reading. Window opens. I'd recommend that. I'm I'm halfway through that one. Um, okay, it's a good one. I would I'd recommend that one. But yeah, uh, probably gonna wrap that up this weekend. I probably should so I can get to this next one. Um, Bob Silver. What are weekend. you and What are you in this and the uh, the sports scale doing tonight? Uh, I don't know. It's date night. My parents are coming in this weekend. Uh, okay. I don't know if I mentioned my parents bought a farm. Uh, what? Yeah, and uh, to like work the land. <laughs> No, not to work the land. Uh, we got a barn. We got uh, a lot of acreage. Uh, got some deer. How many acres? Stands, uh, it's a little over three, almost four. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. Congratulations, sir. Yeah. Well, it's not me. It's my parents. But well, you know, yeah. I mean, but I, I'm I'm sending you congratulations to you. You know, through you to them. So right. take the, take the damn compliment. Okay. Okay. Um, but no, it's exciting. So they're working on it and they're doing a bunch of stuff. And uh, there's a pond in the front yard. It's a, it's all kinds of stuff. I think we're gonna, I've got we're gonna get goats and. Uh, I was some gonna rams. say what what are are they gonna like try and specialize in something or do they want to kind of do a little bit of everything? Well, here's the they thing with goats. A, are they gonna form a commune? <laughs> no, I don't think. Hell like, yeah, barefoot commune, baby. Oh man, if only you knew my parents and how opposite that is uh, to what they're going to do. Um, are they are they going for the whole self sustainability moment? No, moment? no, 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 no. Um, it's just they wanted to go in the mountains, and I'm here in Knoxville, and uh, the sports renaissance woman and I are settling down, and we're probably going to stay in the country too. So it's just more of like uh, they want to be closer to future family, grandchildren, all that kind of stuff. Uh, potentially, Makes sense. So, yeah. I, I I ship it. As the kids say. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's exciting. And I just, I like I like one of two things. I don't like the suburbs, but I like the city. I like it, downtown Atlanta and Knoxville and New York, whatever. And I also like the country. Uh, I actually was just talking to uh, the sports woman about this this week. It was just that, like, I'm not a middle ground person. <laughs> I either like right. being in the middle of nowhere or, like, just being off and having my space or I like where everything's going on all at once. I like the, the city or the country. I don't like the in-between. The in-between He's a city mouse and a country mouse. Yes, I, I'm I, both. I feel you on that. I, having lived in a suburb for, uh, for, for a few years, yeah, it's... They they try and have that that balance, but mm. it's really not there um, because it's either they'll say, "Oh, we're a suburb," but they're either super super country or they're it's super super city. So you're just like, "No, nah, no, nah, give me," you know, I I feel you on that for sure. But it's exciting, and we'll see what happens. I'll send you all some pics. I think I've sent you some of them. You just didn't know what the context was behind them, but. Yeah, it's 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 fun, and I'm excited to see what we can do there. But the goats eat the grass. That's the reason I was gonna I was gonna answer about the goat stuff. So goats eat the grass. And when you have a lot of acreage, you don't want to. I don't want my 60 plus year old parents out there mowing all the time. So uh, they no, you, they do that you, for you. you. You get you give me a riding mower, and 
and a decent uh, payout, I will definitely do it. There you go, but you have to go to Knoxville, Tennessee and, for it. And a six pack of uh, <laughs> a six pack Jay of PBR. Okay. Uh, okay. Andrew Hammond, we can follow you on twitter.com at ahamfreepress. Bob yes, can follow you at Bob Sciatico. Subscribe again to the Daily Beast and the Detroit Free Press and support journalism across like both nationally and locally with the city and national front. But go do that if you have not already done so. And of course, if you like listening to Bob and Andrew and myself do this, guess what? We do it once a week at this time. So check the feed uh, every single week. Sports reporters, we assemble. Guys, you have yourself a great rest of your weekend and I will talk to you next week. Sweet. All right, welcome back. Atlanta Sports Guys have reconvened. It's a delightful thing when the Atlanta Sports Guys reconvene. Max Markovich is here. Max, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon. And also here, Garrett Chapman of 92.9 The Game. Garrett, how are you doing, sir? Oh, you know, it's been a pretty good week. You know, a national championship win on Monday and, I don't know, still riding high. Championship parade tomorrow. Lots of good things happening down here. Well, some good things. I mean, the Atlanta Braves stuff was was objectively good. Uh, all three of us on this very podcast could attest to that being a, a net positive uh, for the state of Georgia and uh, the city of Atlanta. But I, I tweeted about this in uh, one of my rare non uh, <laughs> non uh, just Twitter or podcast writing whatever tweets uh, about you know. There was a lot of folks who were equating uh, Georgia sports with uh, the city of Atlanta, and uh, the two could not be more uh, more apart, more distant. <laughs> and I uh, I didn't appreciate that. I don't appreciate blooper going up to I Athens. I, I don't in like any 1966, of it. In 1966, the Atlanta Falcons were an expansion franchise. Do you know why they chose the colors red and black? Don't care. I don't even want to know. a very simple reason. Mm. With the silver britches and everything, you know? Right. It's because I mean Atlanta's a sports town. Atlanta's a, a college football town. It's uh, as some would say, including myself, that it's the mecca of college football and it's a melting pot of college football. But if there is a team for the city of Atlanta, it's not Georgia State. It's not the team on the plane on the flats. It's it is the University of Georgia. It is a Georgia State. Cha- this, the entire state of Georgia celebrates the championship, especially the city of Atlanta. They could have a parade in Atlanta, and I guarantee you there'd be millions and millions of people there, like a million people there. I'm telling you, that's how big a deal. I'm telling you. Max, do you want to do the rest of the pod without Garrett or just put him on mute? A million people? He said a million. He said a million. (laughs) You think a million people? I bet a million people would show up for that. Uh, Yeah, Garrett's right. How many people people showed up for the Braves parade? Actually, honest question, though. I I I straight up have no It's obvious hyperbole, but I think it was easily six. It's probably six figures. Six figures? For the I'd parade, say fifty or five hundred maybe showed up for the parade. For the Braves, no, that's a lot maybe, of people. I don't know. I have no con. I, I have no idea. That's a lot. Of that's people, a actually. lot of people. I have, I have no idea. Like, think about that this way. That's up. uh, that's five full house kneeling situations, and I don't, I don't know. I have my doubts that they put together five full kneeling. Just so many people. What's mm. the population of Atlanta? Like, <sighs> oh, they say they estimated four hundred thousand fans. Okay, it's a lot of okay. folks. And that's pretty spread out and that was the other thing is like this was not a yeah. atlanta only like they were spread out all over the place so i don't know what they're including like when the braves were going straight down 
several miles of of road and tra- foot traffic. So I'm not really sure, but the the point remains. And Max, uh, it, it's a two to one vote, Garrett. Unfortunately, and uh, the two to one vote is that. <laughs> Georgia is not a part of the Atlanta sports experience and that any folks who've gone out in the city of Atlanta, our age group, uh, can attest to this. See some Clemson folks, a lot of Bama folks, a lot of Auburn folks, a lot of, lot of Florida State, a lot of South Carolina, a lot of Georgia, but it's a, it's a melting pot, as you said. It's a lot of different people who are uh, Atlanta sports fans and then went to USC or went to Georgia Southern or went to wherever and uh yeah that it's it's a conglomeration and uh i will not allow atlanta sports to be grouped with the university of georgia a program that uh, is having a lot of fun at tennessee's expense this week uh mentioning that oh 1998 was last time uh, just because of the 1980 jokes for years and years um here's the thing about all that (laughs) i've already used the 1990 joke at least at least twice okay great um, he's 2011 once i think i haven't used the 98 yet i haven't talked you're i guess you're the first tennessee fan i've talked to yeah it's so. it's not great it was a rough week for me anyway alvin kamara was on the sidelines for alabama in this game i, I don't so really yeah he was on the sidelines i didn't know that yeah they, they just weird. glossed over it he was just on the sidelines um and very hurtful weird very hurtful um Ooh. did not like it especially considering i mean i would have been okay with it if he was wearing tennessee stuff um, that would have been cool, but like Kamara just got put up on the billboard outside Nealon. Like he, he, you see, he's one of the main four that you see when you drive by Nealon by uh, by the river every day. Like I, I see him outside. All that was a big deal that he got replaced and put up there. Is Can't that, do it. I still don't like that. Still don't like what? I, I, there are so many other people that you can put up there, man. I, I just don't think that it's he's a recruiting thing. Like it's nice that it's, it's a recruiting thing. People oh, know Kamara, thing, but you, there are a lot of different places you can put him. Like Georgia Tech is Calvin Johnson, but Calvin Johnson at least played three years at Georgia Tech. Hmm, that's fair. I don't you know, know. I mean, Alvin Kamara wasn't even an All American, All SEC player. He wasn't even a starter for the second for the for the first half of his junior year. It's just about who the high school kids know, though. Correct. Like they, they see Alvin Kamara. Oh, no, like, no, no, no. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I get it. Yeah, you're going to pick Manning be, up there. You're gonna you have... can come be Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit of Tion Evans. Yeah. So I get it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, that's that concludes our uh, unanimous decision is that the University here? of Georgia is annexed from the Atlanta Sports <laughs> Guys conversation and that we will not be addressing any of that anymore. Um, Going forward, though, something we have to address is the Atlanta Hawks because the Atlanta Hawks, guys, they made a pretty big move uh, this week, moving Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks as the New York Knicks continue to build the NBA equivalent of the Duke Blue Devils to uh, continue (laughs) to just uh, get ready for a a very strong Zion push out of New Orleans if uh, Zion ever plays basketball again. Um, Guys. The Cam Reddish trade. Garrett, we'll start with you. What did uh, what do you make of the deal now that everything is out about it? And uh, Schlink's comments after uh, on Cam Reddish and his spot in the team. Well, I mean, as far as the Knicks go, all they need to do is is go grab the Plumley brothers and uh, Kyrie Irving and every other dookie that's in the NBA right now. Then maybe maybe pull Coach K out after he retires at, this year, and then they'll they'll essentially have Duke light in the NBA, <laughs> but. No, I mean, it makes sense to me, top to bottom. It just makes sense. It had to happen. Uh, I, I didn't really see a way forward for Cam Reddish on this team. Um, he's he's a great basketball player. He can go be a great basketball player. Uh, he, but 
or he needs to be able to get into rhythm and he needs shots. Um, and he just wasn't going to get that in Atlanta. Uh, and, and it's, it sucks. It really does suck because he could be very talented. He could be a very, uh, a big player in the NBA. Uh, it, it just, it just sucks that it's not going to be in Atlanta, you know? And, and, and it's also the storyline that follows him with the, the Trey young, uh, Luka Doncic trade, or he is that extra piece. And, if you won that side of it, then you win the deal. And that's, and that, yeah, it doesn't really matter all that much to me, but it matters to, to pundits across the country and it, to, the Twitter fingers across the, the, the metaverse or whatever the hell the pe- people are calling it these days. And, I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's a, it's unfortunate. I'm happy for him. Cause he's going to go up to a place where he's going to get uh, a, a ton of time on the floor. But I mean, let's see how the media treats him. If he, if he can't get out on the floor, because uh, he proved in Atlanta that he is he was a little injury injury prone, so it, the, it'll be an unforgiving media scene up there. The fans are unforgiving, but look, the kid's talented. Uh, he's he's reunited with his buddy R.J. Barrett. I, I think it's gonna. I, I I like the move mostly out of necessity for the Hawks, and I like the move for him because he's gonna get time on the floor and he can actually develop into the NBA player that we we hopefully see him as. Max, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's always been this disconnect um, that still exists, and we saw this week, of what the Hawks fans think Cam Reddish is and what Cam Reddish actually is. Um, And a lot of that is based in what Cam Reddish could be and still could be. But I I think it needs to be said, like, he's not a net positive. He's not been a net positive for the Hawks this year. He's not a net positive player for the Atlanta Hawks. He's not a very good NBA player in a way that's going to help you win right now. Um and I think that that's sort of summed up in, in Brad Rowland tweeted uh, today that Atlanta has a, a net negative uh, 10 rating in 797 minutes with Reddish on the floor and a net positive 5.7 net rating in 1,123 minutes with Reddish on the floor. Um, like that kind of says it all, right? He's shooting 40% from the field this year. That's a career high. Um it, You know, he, the flashes are there. And so that's why everyone sort of just gets sucked in by the talent. And, you know, he's still t- what he's 21. Um, he's he, he could become a player. Right. He is. But it's all still hypothetical. And that hypothetical, I think we, we sort of came to realize was not going to be uh, borne out in Atlanta. And so I think there was this huge reaction to the return on the trade. Um, but I don't think anyone should have been surprised. They were trying to shop him for a lottery pick at, in the NBA draft this past year like a late lottery pick. They couldn't get one. Um, and, you know, the team's not playing well. And to say it's all Cam's fault, of course not. But um, but you needed to make a move. And you needed, and Schlenk said that today. And he also said, uh, you know, a couple of interesting things, which I think we do think this is sort of step one in, you know, a multi-step process. Um, and, and Schlenk said today, I don't have the quote in front of me, but he basically said, not every team is going to value a player, a.k.a. Cam Reddish, but every team is going to value a pick. Um, and so if you're looking to make deals down the road, like every team can look at that pick and see value. Not every team is going to look at Cam Reddish and see value. Um, and, and I think that's part of the reason to make it this early. Yeah, and I think this is also just like a wait and see thing where it's like I don't really have a strong take on this. What I do find interesting about Cam at this point is that he went to management, according to Schlenk, and was like, I want it out uh, before the season got started. So... This was something that was privately stewing for months, and I guess they gave him more rope and more time on the floor 
to see if he could pop and just really figure it out if he is not someone who could stick with this team long term. But I think I said on this podcast like a year and a half ago where it's like, I like Cam and I'll still go to bat for Cam and I hope that it works out in New York. But like the the timelines ended once you signed Bogey and once you signed Gallo and once you went all in last year on making the playoffs and this playoff mandate, that was it. Like you just had to move on then. And I understand his value is bad and everything else, but that was that was the end of times for guys like Cam Reddish where they are not going to do the Memphis Grizzlies thing where we're seeing that now, but that's a huge roll of the dice. Most people saw the Grizzlies as a play-in team again this year, not a top four seed, a team that's going to push uh, a team like the Warriors or the Suns in the in the second round. They're all young players and Desmond Baines obviously popped, Jaron Jackson being healthy is a huge thing for them, but like that's a huge gamble, uh, even with a guy as good as Ja and i don't know like the the hawks could have gambled that way and counted on their young guys but their young guys also weren't available uh like that was something that you could not count on hunter and reddish's availability uh early on in this process and it would have been a lot more losing and things would have gone differently the hawks don't go to the eastern conference finals all that can be true but when you make that pivot when you sign bogey when you prioritize herder when you when you do what you've done and i'm not disagreeing with it i just like you cannot do two things simultaneously on this front and now we're we're at the the beginning stages of breaking that apart and making some really uncomfortable decisions uh because schlink has drafted really well but he's also spent a lot of money and gave out a lot of contracts and the last two off seasons it's like the tax bill's coming and you you gotta like uh, you're gonna have to make some tough calls and I don't envy the position that he's in, but this was something that was always going to happen the second they signed Bogey and the second they made that playoff mandate. Because once you do that with a player as young as Cam, with a team like that, it's built around Trey and the way that it is, it's over. Like you're never going to get the value that you could with Cam Reddish once you pick that road, because there's just not going to be enough time on him, not enough time for him to be on the floor to fail consistently and figure it out. Like that was never going to be an option anymore. And, Look, he's going to have an opportunity in New York because they're struggling as well. They're struggling more than Atlanta this season, and they have a lot of vets. And Julius Randle's been a disaster uh, since getting paid this year, and we'll see what happens. But uh, all the best to to Cam uh, on that front. But does does that make sense? Yeah, I I think um, you brought up a few good points there, and and one of which like they're going to have to make hard decisions. I don't think this is, this was a hard decision anymore. Um, and I think for all the reasons you laid out, it, it just was not, this is not one of those difficult decisions. Those difficult decisions are coming. But part of it is, um, and, and I, I noticed that Woj included this in his story, which tells you that it's coming from the agent side, um, that Cam's due for an extension. And he knew he wasn't getting it in Atlanta. And so there's sort of the implication that he's going to get that in New York. And like, all power to him, but like, doesn't really matter how young you are if you're on you're on a second deal that's not good value for a player who's still just it's all potential it's all just out there and Atlanta was not paying Cam Reddish it, it was not going to happen yeah the money um, just wasn't there even if he played well this year the money's not there right the hard the hard decisions are like you know the, the guys like Herder and mm-hmm. and Capella and decisions that have been made decisions that are coming and like sort of what the next big deal is. But Cam wasn't one of those hard decisions. Um, and so I think it just became a matter of what's the best value. Um, let's get this done and let's move on. Garrett, what do you think? 
I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It, it was kind of a done deal. I, I mean, we we kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, I, I just in, in hindsight, I kind of wish that we got more for him. But I think that's part of the. I think we saw more value in him because we watch him and we and we know uh, what he could, or we think we know what he could be. Um, so I think that's really a lot of the the disappointment. That's where it's going to stem from. And and adding in the fact that the the, the media is going to just, has just absolutely exploded because they got traded to the the beloved Knicks. Um, and at the end of the day, I think they got what they could get for him because he was, he, I mean, he was destined to, to leave. I mean, he was, I mean, what the Lakers offered us what two second round picks. Um, the writing was on the yeah. wall. And I mean, two second round picks. Come on, man. Hey, uh, gee. And they're apparently in the Jeremy Grant conversation. But, no, you're not in anybody's conversation. You can't, you have, they have nothing to offer for anyone of value. They have no assets. They have nothing. I'm, right. I'm sorry. The, the Lakers have dug themselves into such a deep hole. It's it's almost laughable at this point, but it is laughable. They're screwed. Like the Lakers are just screwed. Yeah. They are so bad, and they they have no assets for the next few years. Yep. Um, and it's bad, and they have so many untouchable people. Not because they won't let anybody take them. It's because nobody fucking wants them. <laughs> but I don't know if I can call it my bad. But <laughs> excuse the French. But um. <laughs> No, it's, yeah, Lakers. Uh, Lakers fans on Twitter irritate the heck out of me. But uh, if you couldn't tell, but I, look, I mean, like the the Hawks got everything they could, and at the end of the day, I think it was it was an optimal move, just in the sense it was a necessity. And I mean, on top of everything, I just don't think that the Hawks are done. I tweeted about this, I think, right after the camera dash trade went out. There's no way that this is the last move that they make, <clears throat> and it feels like they're just adding in more more and more assets to build for the future, just not for the future, but for, for like the future trade that's coming here. Uh, I mean, I don't know what that's going to be yet. I, I feel like we're about to talk about that a little bit, but I'm, I'm sure they have a ton of people that they're looking at. There are plenty of options out there on the trade market. And I think they're, whether they go splash or the Braves route and just sort of fill in, in the cracks, um, I think they can win with both of those. They just need to figure out some things and uh, we'll see what they can do. They just need kind of need that spark. Um, but I think that maybe maybe we'll I mean we'll see tonight what happens just with this Camerettis trade. We're just like, hey man, this is real. You will, will be shipped out of town if you do not get your act together. And maybe we see that tonight. You never know. Well, that's the other thing is like they're. I don't think he's going to do anything for another couple weeks. I think they Schlink really does want to see what this does. And I think that's a good point, Garrett. Where it's like he is right now in a. Let's see what just subtraction by subtraction does for this for this group. We're just going to keep uh, taking away options for Nate McMillan to play. And we'll see if we can find the best group and the best rotations and the best minute construction for our guys. And maybe just having less guys is going to be helpful in the short term, which I think we all can agree on is like just having him out of there, not having that just floating in the back of Coach McMillan's mind. Just be like, oh, should I try and insert Cam here? It's like, nope don't have to do that anymore. You can just give those minutes to somebody else and you don't have to play the what if game with Cam Reddish on a team that needs to win basketball games fast. I, I do think that is something that I am excited like you to see what happens here starting this evening. But yeah, it should be it should be cool to see what uh, or maybe not even just cool, interesting to see how uh, Nate adjusts. Max, how do you see the rotation adjusting a little bit? Yeah, I think there's a key point there, which is um, there's this perception that Cam was some lockdown defender. Um, and, and I think that's because you can watch him, and when he's locked in as an on-ball guy, 
he's really talented. Like it's 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 obvious that he has the athleticism to be like a really bothersome defender. But every advancement, I forget the exact number I sent you guys. For, I saw a tweet. Um, every advanced metric says he's a he's a really bad defender um, as a team defender um, right now. And so, you know, obviously, you know, the way to improve this basketball team is to improve on the defensive end. If you don't feel obligated to pay Cam or play Cam 25 minutes a game because of his talent and you replace that with passable defense or above average defense, um, that's just sort of a way to improve your weakness. Um, And so I don't know. I, I think I don't necessarily think there's a timeline for Schlank here. Like, I think if 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 the right guy comes along at the right time, he's just going to do it. And I, I don't think he's done. Um, but I don't think he's saying like, Oh, I'm going to wait two weeks to trade for Ben Simmons. Let's just see how this goes. I think if, if he felt the right deal was ready for Ben Simmons or uh, Jalen Brown or any of those guys, um, he'd do it tomorrow. Like, I, I think he's just like, screw this. Um, I'm done watching this team not compete. And they're better than this. And so we have to sort of make these moves now. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I don't know. I think it's not, you know, it's not that he doesn't want to see this rotation play out and see how that goes. But I just think he's he's willing to make a move to improve the team no matter what. Yeah. And I, I wonder how much look, of this we're, is We're looking ownership. at a team that has 23 losses right now. Oof. This is 23 losses. Like that's uh, that's that's really that's really bad right now and i mean i i guess all of us keep waiting for them to just sort of flip that switch but the thing is is like we're running out of time to flip that switch because if you bury yourself yeah i guess we're what i'm looking i'm just let me leave you standing yeah we're like what four games out of uh, uh the actual five games out of the playoffs and just to stay out of the uh the playoff whatever the playing game um but still at the end of the day it's like even if you get that six seed then you're really looking at you're playing the Nets in the first round. No, 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 thank you. Like, look, you got to get up to that five seed, but that five seed is the 76ers right now. And, and you are really, really starting to fall behind that team. And not to mention the fact they, they I think they swept us this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've, we're completely out there. So, I mean, well, you the would get the bucks in that scenario. So what? Well, you would get the bucks in that scenario. We would lap the Sixers, so we would get matched up with the Bucks. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess it's also right. a doomsday right. scenario. Like we're not in the top four, and I think your broader point is like there there is a catch up no. point, but like Eastern Conference Finals is over. Like this season, you cannot adjust this many problems unless you're just trading for a Beal or something like that, a, a gigantic needle mover against the Heat or the Nets, or the Bucks, or even the Bulls. Like. I am out on that this year. Now, could it be adjusted next year? But we've seen time and time again, man, if you're not in the top four season NBA uh, playoffs, you, you're not making the finals. You're not advancing. It's, not super it's just not how it works. Like you just saw yeah. the West. People were talking themselves into the Lakers as a 17th. They're like, oh, Suns, nobody wants to play Lakers. And then Suns take care of the Lakers. Um, none of the top four uh, seeds in the West got upset. Like that was just a whole thing where they were doing it. Home field advantage, home court advantage, rather it matters and i don't see a path to the hawks getting home court advantage they would just have to go on a nuclear nuclear run and i just i don't see that but and also like you know situations like these are why young teams don't win in the nba Mm -hmm. um and so i think like we can't even talk about expectations in the frame of last year because it, it was just sort of you're playing with house money and when there's expectations like things like this happen cam 
thinks he you know deserves more looks, more shots, more minutes. He doesn't get them. He's not happy. He asks out. Um, that's probably an issue in the locker room. John Collins, once again, um, rumblings that he's not happy with his role in the offense, which like I'm sort of sympathetic to, but it's also like, man, what do you expect? Like <laughs> this team revolves around Trey, and you're a roller. Um, and that's your primary role in this offense. And if you didn't want that, then you shouldn't assign the extension. Mm. Um, and, and I just think it's like it's a team of really talented 22 to 26 year olds um, who are learning how to still be a team. And, and I think it's not even worth really discussing like Eastern Conference Finals, first round, second round. Like none of that's important. Like this has to be like a learning curve for them um, in the long run. And by them, I don't even know who we're talking about. Like, uh, them really means Trey, right? Like, I don't know. I can't guarantee anyone else is actually on this team next year, which is a really weird thing to say about a team that made the run it did last year. Yeah, I the Collins thing is interesting. I, I don't think he's ever going to be happy playing next to Trey. Like, <laughs> I think it stinks because he clearly really does love Atlanta and wants to be here for the long haul. And I also think this is another good example of, like, winning just solves everything like collins was not complaining about his role and he has like what the lowest usage of his career to this point this year but like i don't think collins would be this upset if we were in the top four in the east i don't think these comments come out like i think winning cured a lot of the issues behind the scenes with the hawks last year and i think once they got off to a bad start again it's just like oh they're all back and all those things that you'd forgotten about are are pushed to the side because your team's winning basketball games and you're playing in a hyper competitive environment where like oh we can make the finals like all of that uh other stuff just goes to the wayside but now i don't know i i think that's just always going to be a a struggle between the hawks and john collins because it's never going to happen like max said like with trey on this team his role will never be more than a pick and roll guy and spot up corner three guy like that's just always going to be his thing here and also i don't know what other teams are going to just be like yeah john collins can be a a bigger yeah, guy for us i don't know who that team is and it's it's also like I, I don't really have a lot of like tolerance for it because the problem with the hawks is not the offense like <laughs> the offense is a top you know i don't i haven't checked the most recent numbers like a top three to five offense in the nba like the reason the hawks were willing to pay john collins was because of the way he played in the playoffs and the way he was an asset in the playoffs was mostly as like a defensive end energy guy, rebounder, uh, lob catcher, um, doing some of the nitty gritty stuff. And if he, he he's he, his whole career until that point, he had not shown a propensity to want to do. Um, he, he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the guy with the ball in the hands and score 25 a game and whatever. And certainly he could do that on a bad team. Um, but like, man, the offense isn't the problem here. Like, and and so like, why are you trying to sow discord in an offense where Trey Young, Trey Young alone is a top five offense in the NBA? He's ridiculous. And so, taking the ball out of his hands to post up John Collins is just a kind of a ridiculous way to to demand more, in my opinion. See, I, I see a lot of the Braves in this team, the Braves pre Ronald Acuna injury, and. It's it's a team that just needs a spark. It's a team that need, needs something to just sort of just wake it up. And it's a team that's it's hovered around 500 the entirety of the season, just been frustratingly bad at times and then just shockingly great at others. And, <clears throat> like, this is a team, like, if they're playing good basketball, they showed this earlier in the season, that they can run with the Brooklyn Nets and they can beat the Brooklyn Nets. 
they're a team that's it's, that they are a very talented basketball team. It's just an energy thing. And it is just so frustrating to watch this team because we know what they can be because we've seen it. We've seen what they can be. And, and they're just teetering on the edge of being a dominant team. And they are just so flipping close. And, and it's just, it's just an, it feels like an effort thing. Yeah, like when you see guys who are doing bad rotations and no one's rallying to the basketball on the defensive side of the ball of the ball, and people are getting easy offensive rebounds over John Collins. Come on, it is so frustrating to watch it every single night. It seems like I mean, this is a team that hasn't won a home basketball game since before Thanksgiving. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense because this was this was a a a powerful team at home. They got a a case of Falcons around you. I mean, Man, it's, so it's, also, it's terrible. It, uh, it, it's also reminiscent of the 2020, 2021 Atlanta Hawks mm. um, before they fired Lloyd Pierce. But yeah. there's no like magically fire Lloyd Pierce button this year. Um, and I don't think anyone's like Nate's the problem, but uh, he's not the solution right now. And it's like you can't I don't know. It, 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 it feels a lot like a team that needs a leader and doesn't have one. Um and Trey's not that like, guy. He's not, but no. he has. To, I mean, he has to like evolve into something rem- resembling that guy. Like he, he's he's so he's so heliocentric on on offense. Like mm. this entire team has to run through him. That his teammates need to like buy into him, and that doesn't have to be like you know be the rah rah guy like whatever. But he, there has to be some sort of like man, I want to play for this guy. Because otherwise, it's like, what? it's got to be pretty frustrating to stand out there and wait in the corner while Trey dribbles at the shot clock and does really good things, but it's like, man, I want to get mine too. It's interesting because it's like the Harden thing too. And I mean, he gets a lot of comparisons to Harden, but they're um, they're good and Harden's one of the best guards of all time. So it's a, it's an okay thing to compare uh, Trey on to James Harden. But like, there is something too, and I wonder about this around the league where it's like, every player respects James Harden and has always respected and loved James Harden. But then like the players who actually end up playing with James Harden are like, Oh yeah, I don't want to do this. But then they leave and they're like, Oh no, he's still, still a top five player, still top three, whatever MVP guy. Like he's getting voted by the players as the MVP, but none of those players also want to play <laughs> with James Harden. It's kind of like that same sort of deal where it's like Dre, I think around the league as a universal universally uh, positive uh, opinion of him and I think a lot of guys might l- respect his game and respect what he does but are also like I don't I don't know if we want to if I want to go over there and just uh, deal with the 30% usage rate and deal with um, everything that comes with it and just have to really kill myself on defense to keep this this thing going yeah I mean it's, that's also part of why I think it would be so valuable if you learn to play off the ball a little bit more and I mean, we've—I don't think he's really even close to doing that. But it's like, just the like emotional—I don't know. Like, I don't know if you guys play basketball at all, but like, if you yeah. never have the ball in your hands, it is like, yeah, it's frustrating, and you don't really care if your your teammates hitting thirty-five foot step backs if you never get a chance to do anything. Um, and and just like the ability to do, like a fraction of the stuff Steph does, and just like the way that would change how I feel like the team feels. Um, and that's projecting a lot and I don't know, I'm not in that locker room, so I don't know, but it's, it's sort of just like common sense. Um, and and I don't, I don't think Trey is really near doing that, but that would solve a lot because the only guys who really thrive with a guy like Trey, um, 
are the types like Bogey and Herder and, you know, like the idea of DeAndre Hunter, like who are not, you know, who don't really care about like, you know, creating on their own and are happy to get wide open looks, which they do. And that's sort of like they're content being that guy. But a lot of really talented players are not content being that guy. And I would be really curious to see how that would work out with a Jalen Brown. Um, or, you know, a Bradley Buell, but I, I, in this context, Jalen Brown. Like, Jalen Brown's not content being that guy. He's not that guy in Boston. He won't be that guy in Atlanta if he comes to Atlanta. And he wants the ball in his hands. And how <laughs> you would put those two talents together 100 times out of 100, and we want that. Um, but Trey would have to evolve as an NBA player to play with anybody like that. And really probably to win an NBA title because you need that kind of talent to win an NBA title. And so that's that's sort of the next step in Trey's career. Um, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see that in Atlanta with with another star. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, we'll end it with this. Who do you think this is the precursor for? Because I saw a report from Stein earlier today that I think I mentioned on this podcast that like we and I think we all agreed like Harrison Barnes would actually be the kind of leader and guy you want to the good vibes guy that you want to throw into this locker room. Um, then most teams would be uh, surprised if Heald and Barnes are not moved before the deadline. And Heald doesn't solve the defensive stuff for Atlanta, but uh, I'm not going to say no to more high-octane shooting uh, in the fortress. But um, do you think that's maybe where they're inching is more of a Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald type thing? Or do you or do you still, in your heart of hearts, believe that Schlink is going to do everything in his power uh, to make a big-time trade, whether that's Ben Simmons or whoever um, else is available because that's the other part that fans forget is like if the player's not available and uh, Brad Stevens is like Brown's not going anywhere you can't just force them to to make a trade um, but Garrett who do you who do you think right now where, where are you leaning on what Schlink's next move will be after moving Cam Reddish because uh, I think I could see him doing both um, a piece of me wants to just trade for a hustle guy um, <clears throat> like a Marcus Smart or a Kendrick Williams or or uh, maybe Harrison Barnes, like you had mentioned. Uh, I think you make a trade for a guy like that. I think you're not going to unload a whole lot of this core, um, and you can still roll with the guys who got you here. Uh, I, I think that I think that that would do a lot, and I think that that could shake things up a little bit. You could uh, do a lot of good with a small move like that. I mean, like I said before, like the Atlanta Braves show that you do not have to make a blockbuster move. Um, like you don't have to go be the LA Dodgers who went and signed a, for Trey Turner and, and Max Scherzer and make all those big moves at the big blockbusters. Maybe you just need to make that small move to bring in Eddie Rosario or, or Jock Peterson or some of those other guys who kind of fly under the radar. Um, sometimes it's those guys that, that really propel teams to championships. I mean, you, you look at the, um, Look at the Bucks last year. The Bucks were propelled by those guys. Like Giannis, Giannis was the the focal point, obviously, but he had guys all around him that were setting the team up to succeed. Um, and I think that the, the Hawks can benefit from something like that. But at the same time, I can still see Travis Schlink going out and making a blockbuster move. Like if he went and got a Ben Simmons, I, I could see see that happening. And based off of all of the reports, it seems like the Hawks are definitely interested. Um, and I, I think the Hawks. I mean, but at the end of the day, it's like whatever makes this team better is something that I will support. And until Travis Schlink proves otherwise, I will put my, I, I will, I, I support him. I, I'm in his court until other, until he proves otherwise. And I mean, he is far from uh, <laughs> disproving that theory. 
Yeah, I don't know. And the Hawks fans' uh, hesitancy about Simmons for Collins and Filler is very surprising to me. I oh, there's wild. so much stuff that like oh, because people saw the one thing with yeah they saw no they saw the seven game series against Philly and then they 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 were like they somehow forgot that this guy is an all world defender. He's he used to have a jump shot and then Philly pulled it out of him. Like they 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 literally ruined basketball players. Uh, <laughs> I think that might be a little strong. Joel and Embiid might be an MVP. Things can happen. I, I think that's a little strong. I don't think Philly's responsible for a lot of what's gone on. Oh with, no, 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 no! That, it's not solely responsible, obviously, but it's also just. I don't think the offense is conducive to a Ben Simmons. I, I just don't think they've built it very effectively around him. I, I just don't. Also, um, the folks who are just are just nervous about like trading off ball. It's like, do you want to take the ball from him? Like, like what Max just said. It's like, no, that's a positive. I think that I would sh- that would actually help the ecosystem. Steph Curry's at his best off the ball. That's that's where he does his most damage is when he's able to run around and get off screens and everything. And well, the difference with Steph and Trey in that the difference with Steph and Trey in that is like Steph's the best shooter of all time, and Trey's and he's a pretty good shooter. He's not an all time great shooter. Yeah. He's he's fine. I it could be. I but I, I I yeah I think Trey would be like a really good to great shooter if if he took like if he got better looks, and mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that. Like he's a great shooter. Like if if you left him wide open, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Um, one of the limiting factors is he's very small, obviously, um, smaller than Steph. And, yeah, and, I like four inches. And he takes he takes the most like on paper low percentage threes of anyone in the NBA. And so that sort of limits his percentages. But I I think like man, if he spent all off season like watching Steph, and he's never going to be Steph. No one's ever going to be Steph, and no one's ever going to be the quality of shooter Steph. If he just watched what he does off the ball and like picked up on a little bit of it it would change everything it would change everything and that would also make it a hundred times easier to bring in a guy like ben simmons right because you know ben simmons can play sort of the draymond uh the draymond role here and trey off the ball would just command so much attention that the offense it, it would just flow um and I think that also, I, I think it's a lot more likely they bring in a Harrison Barnes, Marcus Smart, veteran wing, Jeremy Grant type, um, this during the the deadline. But I think in the offseason, it's full steam ahead, get a star. And part of that is because teams don't want to trade stars during the, the trade deadline, and it's sort of hard to integrate them into the team and all that. Um, but I think that's the play. You know, go trade, go trade a couple picks and whoever for Harrison Barnes. Win as much as you can this year. No one thinks we're winning a title this year. And then in the offseason, it's all right, uh, Maury. All right, you know, Brad Stevens. Like, what's it going to take? What is what is the actual deal? Because I also think, um, going back to Simmons, like, there's no reason. Philly, Philly has been very, very insistent that they want a top 30 whatever type guy for Ben Simmons. And, you know, maybe they won't get it. But John Collins is not that guy. And so I, I'm sort of of the belief that like Philly's not taking that deal right now. They're they're content waiting it out and trying to get in the offseason. Yeah, I think so. Um, without looking, what would you guess Trey's career three point percentage is? I know this. I think thirty four. Thirty four percent below league average. I'm good, but. But, good. but it's been four but, years. But he also jacked up so many of them. He, I mean, he shot he so six, many of them. Well, it was only six he should, he should, last year. Seven like right now. He's 36% this year, right? He's 36% right now. He's improved. 
He's improved. Yeah, he's also been in kind of a slump ever since he got. It's just he's not an all time great shooter. He's never going to be an all time great shooter. We would know by now. It's year four. We would know if he was going to be an elite shooter in this league. I don't think that's happening. He's not an elite shooter. He's a good shooter. Uh, he's not elite. He doesn't have to be elite, though. That's the thing. I don't think he has to be elite. Well, he needs to be elite off the ball to make the Ben Simmons stuff work because Ben Simmons and Capel on the floor together, it's two non-shooters. Um, Trey has to We've hit those shots. Seen. I don't know. We've that would scare off, me. Off ball, though. That's the thing. I'm not against it. I mean, Look, I'm what's for the, it. I mean, Rajon Rondo was the other playmaker here. Um, well, no, Herter's a playmaker. Herter, Herter does stuff, and I think Trey nah, tries harder to do stuff. Rajon Rondo is more of a Ben Simmons in the sense that he's just a true like pass first guy. Even mm. Herter's not a pass first guy necessarily. He's I don't a, know. I would a, say Herter's a pass first guy. He's a, he's a playmaker first. He's looking for someone else before he shoots. <laughs> he's looking I, for somebody I, I else. I think he's a well. He, he just has a well rounded game. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's he's not in the in the same vein as a Ben Simmons or a Rajon Rondo uh, or one of those guys. Um, he's a guy who can do it if it's called if he's called up. Okay. Um, we'll sense. wrap with this. We'll wrap with this. Our pick on who the next move, the big swing is for Travis Schlink. I have my answer, and I don't think you guys are going to like it. But, Max, you go first. What do you think the next move is? I think it's Marcus Smart. Okay. That's my answer. Mm. Garrett, what do you think? It's a guy like that. I mean, I tend to agree. Uh, it's Kendrick Williams and maybe maybe Marcus Smart. I think it's it's one of the, the hustle guys, the guys who are going to come in and replace Solo. I think it's going to be Norman Powell and uh, C.J. McCollum. Mm. I mean, interesting. Oh, I just don't see how C.J. McCollum doesn't any, adds anything to the, the defensive side of the basketball, which is our biggest hole. That team would get worse defensively. And mm-hmm. literally, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> I think they're going to do it. I think I think we're going to find out how much influence Trey has over this team very soon. Has, like, has C.J. McCollum, how many has he played this year? I mean, he had that. What was it? He has a ser- He had a serious. Was it blood clot? No. What did he have? See him. Oh, collapsed lung. That's what he had. Um, yeah, that's what it was. <clears throat> he's yeah. He he's near a return to the court. Um, he will return. He's joining the Blazers in the road right now. So he's coming back very soon. And we also know who he is. What's his contract look like? Can we afford him? Yeah. CJ is at thirty. So what you would move is Gallows contract you move a couple picks and then you move oh, a little bit this year. bogey's out too like you can move 48 you can move 40 million very easily if you're the hawks so you do that and uh, mccall or powell's only at 15 i also wouldn't hate roco the one you're expiring for 12 million i think it could be it's gonna be one yeah. of the two that's that is my gut instinct is it's gonna be either roco and or powell uh, along with McCollum and they're going to sell it as like we got our guards we got our backcourt we got our guys who will go to war with that is my my prediction that it is going to be a play where they're like this will sell tickets and this will be fun and this is somebody Trey wants to go to war with and if it's, and if it's CJ like McCollum I can guarantee I'll be on this podcast livid <laughs> unhappy <laughs> what who, who cares about fucking selling tickets anymore like win win i think they're 26 the in attendance this year again um i think they care yeah a lot they play to they win suck. the game you play to win the game and these guys just aren't right now and that's why i think the fans are showing they're like hey man they're not gonna win these basketball games they're... i don't know the Atlanta hawks fans are the most fickle bunch on the planet like if, if you show up and you win they will get in your corner especially hawks fans i mean they're like falcons hawks fans are just like falcons fans I mean, Braves fans will show up, 
uh, dog vans will show up. Like those guys. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't sneak that in. Don't <laughs> sneak that nonsense in here anymore. We, we universally no, agree. Those guys, those guys won't sh- show up. Falcons fans, if you're losing, they suck. Falcons fans are terrible. If as a Falcons fan, we suck. If you if the team sucks, and the Hawks fans, we suck. If the team sucks, but if the team actually shows us. Hey, we're shooting in the right direction. We're looking good. We're going to pl- win some playoff games. We're going to show up in the playoffs and actually uh, win series. That fan base will show up and be loud and be one of the most difficult places to play in the NBA. And that's what they were in the playoffs last year. But this team has just sort of fallen off a planet. This most frustrating team outside of the Lakers in the NBA. Mm. They're frustrating, but we'll see. We'll see what happens ultimately down the stretch. Uh, Max, we can find you on Twitter.com at Max underscore Markovich. Garrett, we can find you on Twitter at GChapATL. Uh, tune in to 90s on the game and all the great stuff going on over there, uh, including Garrett, his college football show and all that good stuff. But uh, guys, fingers crossed. Hope for the best. We'll see what happens uh, later this evening uh, with the Hawks and their game tonight. But um, at least... We don't have to hate watch the Atlanta Falcons for the foreseeable future. That is a net positive, I think, for all of our lives. Five mock drafts a day. I know Foye Lewicon didn't get a single All Pro vote, man. That's terrible. Mm. You know who did though? You know AJ Terrell, second team, right? Andre Campbell, first oh, team Andre All Campbell. Pro. Yeah. Andre Campbell. Mm. Dude, was, the one that got there's some, some questionable. Like Diggs, Diggs should not have been a first team All Pro. I know he led the team. He led the NFL in interceptions awesome the dude was also getting beat by the geriatric aj green on a one step out route one step like he was just a go route and he just gets absolutely burned that's i mean come on man really that guy is not an all pro shots fired the uh that mr dicks here as we wrap up here on He's the also podcast. A i don't like him either <laughs> Julio got a touchdown. Though. His first one of the year. Absolutely. The only reason he didn't get votes for he, the only reason he's not all pro, and the only reason he's not uh, a pro bowler is because people don't know his name. It's ridiculous. Uh, th- that man led the NFL in tackles. He was seventh in NFL history in tackles. And you're telling me that man doesn't get a single all pro vote? I'm cool with it because it'll keep his contract. That is what I was exactly. Uh, that is the yeah, exact be, thought he I might had. Yeah. Be a Falcon and next year because of it. I let God. Let's hope so. That would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah, for the defense. He's the one. He's one of two linebackers I would like back in a Falcons uniform. Not going to mention who the other person is, but um, but it's not Deion Jones. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> man, I love Deion Jones. I just he's just so bad. He just doesn't fit. He just it's not he's bad. He just doesn't. No, fit he's bad. Like Deion Jones is he's a bad linebacker now. He'll like go be that. a cow. He's going to go be. We're going to cut him, and he's going to go be a cowboy next year and have 170 tackles. Just watch. That's fine. It's not happening here anymore. Got to move on. Dean Pease is back, though, so we'll see what that looks like as he gets more of his own guys. Um, hey, I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of like Dean Pease. We're going we're gonna to draft a, a, a metric ton of... Uh, almost cussed again, man. I'm, I'm just in that mood today. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to go draft a bunch of uh, defensive players, and we're going to go be a top 20 defense next year. We'll Stop see. going to Super Bowl. Okay, okay, we'll see. Let's just get through the offseason. Let's get through the draft. Let's let's see what happens first. Let's get an offensive lineman oh, at left man. guard that we, we can yeah. believe in. At least the Saints didn't make the playoffs. That's true. Max, Garrett, always a pleasure. I will talk to you next week.
All right, we're back here on the Go Big Orange Friday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am joined still by only, only Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider, because Ethan Stone just ducking us for for other job opportunities uh, until school starts back, the semester starts back this week, or excuse me, this month rather. This week would be awful. Uh, Ryan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, we have confirmed that Ethan is not dead, but uh, still, still grind, grinding it away at at the other job, and uh, we'll uh, we'll continue to miss him until I get. It sounds like probably two weeks when we'll we'll get him back on. Crossing the fingers for next, but sounds like two. Hey, we'll we'll get him back. We'll get him back. Um, so I want to start with the way too early top twenty-five. Did you see uh, Mr. Brett McMurphy's? uh way too early top 25 rankings for college football next year i saw a lot of them and i I know i saw his but i can't remember i did an article compiling basically all the ones i could find this week and uh i couldn't remember where he had he had tennessee at i think Stuart mandel had had the highest that i've seen where did Stu have him i think 13 oh wow somewhere in top 15 yeah somewhere you know it seemed like most people kind of had him in like the 18 to 25 or you know just missing and mm-hmm. then there was there was Stewart. it was he was bullish on josh heupel and the balls yeah no i uh I, i'm bullish too but like 13 scares me that's super high i mean whatever yeah, it takes to calm down kentucky and south carolina fans that would be nice mizzou fans as well um i think whatever we can do to just settle down those fan bases um would be nice because uh, as of this recording, I'll still go ahead and pencil in those three as victories for the Tennessee Volunteers next fall. Um, very, like worst case scenario, two of three. If it's all three, then Hypel is in a lot of trouble. So uh, I don't know. I It's interesting when I was going through him and I looked at McMurphy who had him at uh, 17. I didn't see Stu had him all the way up to 13, but I don't know. What did you, what do you think of just the kind of hype and, kind of already being back in that like hey this should be a really good team that should push for like if you're in the 13 range and you're you're betting on Tennessee winning double digit games next year and that is a that is a huge thing for this program considering where they were in February of 2021 when Hypel took over like is that not just kind of preposterous that we're already here where we're talking like oh yeah they preseason number 13 with the turnover and just what Hypel walked into yeah, it really is, and it's certainly a testament to what he's done to both rejuvenate the program and flip the roster, at least on the offensive side of the ball, in less than a year. And you're right, I I think that 13 is a little high. I mean, you're right, if you're that high, you're probably going to win double-digit games, and you talked about what a how remarkable that is in, in the past you know year. How That's remarkable for Tennessee the past decade. I mean, Tennessee hasn't won 10 games since – the 2004 season I'm trying to, I think would, would be it when they won the cotton bowl against Texas A&M, the 2006 and seven teams. Uh, I think both one night as uh, it's 2017 won the bowl game. So I guess they were the last team, but you know, that's a, a feat. Not many people uh, at Tennessee have accomplished in the last decade. So I, I think it's a huge plus. Now you're, when you're in that range where Tennessee is in, in the bottom half of that. And I think a lot of that goes into when you're doing the way too early rankings, what's the trajectory of the program and what's the quarterback situation? Well, obviously the mojo is good after Josh Heupel's first year. The trajectory is up. That's a big positive for Tennessee getting in there way too, or a big reason Tennessee gets in the way too early, as is having Hendon Hooker back. So it is obviously way, way harder to go out there 
and not even win 10 games, but go out there and win eight or nine games because, like, I think you're like all of all nation uh, just about that expects wins in those three games. But to me, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic in the SEC East behind Georgia right now because Florida obviously is a little more wait, wait and see with Billy Napier, but those next three programs, Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, four programs, Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina, I all think, I think all four of those programs feel good about where they're at right now and then trending in the right direction. Missouri may be the one exception to that, but what Eli Drinkwitz was able to get, do on the, get done on the recruiting trail, I think probably has people around Missouri more optimistic. And I'm with you. I think the goal for Tennessee, obviously, is to win all three of those games. I think it would be just a massive disappointment if they lost more than one of them. But I don't think those are necessarily surefire wins. And Pitt has been pretty decently high on a lot of these way too early top 25s. And uh, with the, the coaching turnover at LSU in Florida, it's just a ton of unknown going into next season. I, I, I couldn't tell you the last time going into the season there were more games that riding in the season, you know, I don't want to even pencil in a win or a loss. That There's just so many games that I think could go either way. That's wild. I don't feel that way at all. I feel like this season, like next, when you look at the calendar, especially like the home schedule, I don't know. I, I'm not really, <laughs> like, I, I really don't think there's a game on here that I would be like, <sighs> let me pull up the exact schedule because look, um, we turned our back on the armed forces, uh, this fall by substituting army with, uh, Akron. So we're getting Joe Moorhead in here instead, but um i forgot joe moorhead took that job his return his return after not losing what 14 to 10 two years ago with uh with mississippi state right so we got ball state at home at pitt pitt's probably the toss-up but i'll say we win that one i don't think we lose back-to-back years and kenny pickett being on but i will say keaton slovis now being a panther makes it a little bit more interesting but they also lost Mark Whipple, the OC. The reason Pitt was good last year was not because of their defense. It was because they had a really great OC who just left for Nebraska. So I, uh, I'm i pretty dubious that Pitt's able to do what they did this past year back-to-back. So I, I'd be pretty surprised if Tennessee doesn't win on the road at Pitt. So Pitt, at, they went on the road at Pitt. Akron at home, I, it's a victory. So it's 3-0 going to Florida. Ready to get hurt again at Florida. So I'm going to pencil that one in as a loss until we beat Florida, especially at home. Uh, I don't care who's coaching. I don't care what kind of turnover has, is going on. I don't care who's under center. Uh, I'm penciling that in as a loss until otherwise uh, stated. Uh, at LSU, you could. I'm not doing that either. This, it's just I'm, I'm penciling that one in as a loss as well. And then this is like this stretch, man. Like, I don't know who put this part of our schedule together but putting lsu and bama back to back is just ridiculous i i don't understand what the thinking was here but that's another loss so we're looking at three and three so that's why you kind of need that pick game because i you cannot be at late october three and four that that's rough um but you get ut martin you can never count out the sky skyhawks but uh, i'm going to there so you're four and four and then the home stretch man this is a more difficult schedule than what Tennessee had this past year, but this is part of like, you have to be better and you have to build off the season before. So Kentucky at Neyland, I'm going to pencil that one in as a win. Uh, Stan, obviously at Georgia, I'm going to pencil that one in as a loss. So then we're at uh, still four or five. Is that four losses? Yeah, four. Uh, Missouri at home, South Carolina on the road, and then Vanderbilt. So I, I don't know. This feels like an eight and four team, which is kind of crazy because... The schedule sinks, but like I feel like I can run through it, and I, I don't see a lot of variations from eight and four. I think best case scenario is nine and three, unfortunately. 
No, I, I'm definitely with you there. And I think you have those two basically surefire losses. And that's going to be the case just about every year until Josh Heupel is really able to elevate this program to a whole another whole another level in the Alabama and Georgia game. And, you know, I think overall I kind of agree with your breakdown of it of, you know, where Tennessee hangs in most of these games. But, you know, I look at it, I think the Pitt game is a, a, very close to a toss-up. The Florida game is very close to the toss-up on paper, which is the most important thing. I've long said my alma mater to Berlin Bruins, if you got them out there in a Florida jersey, Florida uniforms, there's a good chance they could beat Tennessee <laughs> because of the mental aspect of it. But then the Kentucky game, the South Carolina game, I think those games are, you know, I give Tennessee the edge is slightly in them, but all four of those games I think are really games that could go either way. And the LSU game is one that, you know, I'm not conceding from Tennessee's standpoint either. And Tennessee gets LSU, you mentioned it being bad with having LSU-Bama back-to-back. Tennessee gets LSU in a good spot. LSU, the week before, plays at Auburn, and the week after, plays at Florida. So you get them right in a perfect trap spot game. Uh, again, that doesn't mean you're going to get the job done, but all, all, I guess, what is that? One, two, three. Yeah, all, all five of those games, uh, I think, are games that could, could really go either way, uh, sitting here in January, uh, however many, many seven months before the season starts. If they get double digits, to be number 13, they have to beat Florida and or LSU or Georgia or something. Like, I don't, like, it's just, it's going to be hard. That's asking a lot. But, hey, it, it's fun to think, like, hey, it's a possibility. And, I mean, I would love to pencil in Florida as a win. But until it happens, like you said, I just, I don't know. Um, what are What is Tennessee getting in the Wyoming transfer, Mr. Isaiah Nayer? They're getting speed, and that's obviously what we know Josh Eiffel likes at the receiver spot. I think that's a really big really big get. Tennessee misses out on Jared Verse, the defensive end from Albany goes to Florida State, and the next day gets the good news with the Nair news, and he's a guy that I think is going to come in and right away have a really good chance to play. Uh, I think he's a guy that's going to play on the outside, take a lot of the role that kind of Javonta Payton played this year, and a guy that has two more years of eligibility, I think, which is always you know, you you get so conditioned from the past, you know, our whole lifetimes. The transfers in college football, they're one-year guys. Occasionally you get two, and that's just such a game-changer now. The transfer portal, you have so many guys that the value of picking up a transfer is just so much different because you're not adding a guy just for one season. You're adding them for half of their career or more, and he's a perfect example of that. So I think that's a big get. He visited USC in Texas earlier in the week. It seemed like Texas, there was a lot of smoke there coming out of that visit. And Heupel and Golish and the staff pretty quickly. I mean, he committed while he was on his visit to Tennessee. So I think that gives Tennessee four players, four receivers. Obviously, Cedric Tillman was phenomenal this year. Him, uh, Jalen Hyatt, and the guy that I'm continuing to stick my neck out there for, and Jimmy Callaway are four guys that, at least myself, now Hyatt and Callaway have to prove it a little more, as does Nair, not having done it at this level. Those are four receivers that I think are promising and a very good core for Tennessee at that spot. No, or Mel Keaton love. Um, Charlie Browder, though, former UCF tight end, also entering the fold. So this is a combination question because we add Browder and we lose Trinity Bell. Um, what is Tennessee getting with uh, with both and or losing? Yeah, I think it's it's a big it's a big question mark because not both those guys were in the same class. Neither of them played a snap this past year. Uh, I think you're getting a little bit more of a pass catcher uh, bringing in Bell. I think was going to be more of a blocker. Uh, 
both guys are big guys, and uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's just really big to bring a body in, and you wonder if staff knew about the Trinity Bell news already. Obviously, that mm-hmm. didn't become official until after they gained the commitment, but Tennessee didn't sign a tight end in this class. And obviously, they brought in a handful last year, but still, I think it is important to bring another young player in there because there's going to be a good chance after next year you're going to lose both Jacob Warren and Princeton Fant, who if things, both those guys stay healthy and things go as you'd expect, those two guys would have played you know, 95% of your tight end snaps under Josh Heupel uh, once you get to that 23 season. What about Calvert and Kobe? Are we losing anything there? Say that again. Uh, Calvert and um, Kobe, yeah. Yeah, Calvert is – Kobe, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think he was a guy that brought some good depth but you know didn't play many snaps this yeah. year. Calvert is the interesting one because I do think there is some talent there. Now, I don't think he's an all-SEC player by any means, but when you start looking around, the, the guys who are replacing Cade Mays, you don't have much of any anybody that's played any right. high-level uh, level football. And not that Calvert had played a ton of it, but you go back into that 2019 season and that stretch – that stretch run where Tennessee played well, he was the starting right tackle, and he played well that season. Now it's all—it's been about staying healthy. Has been his issue. Uh, there's no telling once we once we got into August next year and into the heart of the season if he's a guy that was going to be able to go out there and in this offense play 12 straight games and stay healthy. But at a spot where Tennessee doesn't really have any bodies, uh, or at least many bodies, I, I do think that's a loss that hurts him from the very least a depth standpoint. And when you you know we talked about it last week, all the spots that Tennessee needs in the transfer portal, it's not just as simple as saying, okay, let's go get an offensive tackle now. One, I think that's about one of the hardest spots to find people in the portal. Two, there's just so many so many needs on defense. It's tough to add another one on the offensive end. For sure, for sure. Um, well, let's talk quickly about the basketball team. So they take care of South Carolina and by twenty, just uh, put South Carolina and Frank Martin's team into the mud. Um, still a lot of questions with this offense. None of that has been remedied in recent games, but they have a big game Saturday. Really excited about that uh, in Lexington against the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, what are you looking for out of the Carolina game that uh, you would like to see Tennessee uh, mop up heading into their their affair with the blue and white uh, in Lexington on Saturday? Well, one thing is the turnovers, and we talked about this last weekend being a big key going into the LSU game. Bunch of turnovers for Tennessee in that LSU game, a lot in the Ole Miss game, uh, I guess, a week and a half ago now, and it was kind of the same thing in the South Carolina game. Tennessee's offense all year, outside of, I guess, the Colorado and North Carolina game, they haven't been great, but they've done a really good job of taking care of the basketball and at least getting shots up. Now, they certainly haven't always made them, and they haven't always been great shots, or a great shot selection, but they've been getting those shots. That's changed the past few games, and I think Tennessee – really needs to, to limit that, especially going into a Kentucky game with the way uh, Oscar Schwiebe and just butchered pronouncing his last name. I, I have no prayer. No prayer at Oscar T is what I'll call him the rest of this podcast. And this Kentucky team as a whole, really good rebounding team. And I don't think it's going to be a game Tennessee's going to get a ton of those second-chance opportunities. So taking care of the basketball, I think, is going to be big. And what Tennessee can do, maybe getting out in transition, I think that was the big difference from the South Carolina game from the, the last two offensively. I didn't think Tennessee's offense was all that better in the half court, but they did a good job of, with a massive number of South Carolina turnovers. I believe it was 23. They did. They got out in transition and scored more uh, from those than they really have most of SEC play and really most of the season. Well, how do you think it ultimately unfolds? What do you think? Do you think we get a win in, in Lexington on Saturday? No, I think it's gonna. Kentucky will win this one. Uh, you don't. 
not eliminating Tennessee by chance by any means. That line just came out about an hour ago at six. I thought that was a little bit higher than I expect Kentucky being the favorite. I I would pick Tennessee to cover. What's the total points? This is a game. Say that again. What What's the total, total points? Point that's total more. Line? Yeah, that's more interesting to me. Do we keep them in the mud or not? Well, yeah, and I, that's you're right. That's that's really the most important thing for Tennessee to win is these games. They're just not going to outscore a lot of people. And LSU, when you throw them the ball like Tennessee did in that game and gave them free baskets where they didn't have to face Tennessee's defense set, that that was just a recipe for disaster. ESPN does not have uh, have the lineup on their site yet. And when I just saw it tweeted out, and it, it didn't have an over-under. So hmm. uh, ha- have haven't seen that. I'd be curious to know what that is, but either way, I'm excited. Like Tennessee, Kentucky, college basketball, it's it's a great thing, and uh, I'm I'm excited for it because it could not be more uh, painstaking and frustrating and vomit-inducing than the LSU game from from last weekend. So, only only way up, uh, as I say. But hey, South Carolina win got back on track a little bit, but I don't know. Uh, this Tennessee team's still really hard to not really figure out we know who they are defense first the offense is still clunky but i don't know the top end talent man the the rick barnes messaging on mr folky all of it it's it's very interesting but i don't i don't know i i still i still want to see more from this tennessee team before i just dismiss them as potential lead eight sweet 16 uh caliber because the talent is just still really real there and i don't know conference play continues on and we'll we'll see what happens against the wildcats um mr ryan shepherd what can we check out from you across rocky top insider this week yeah plenty of stuff on the basketball team and getting you ready for the game against kentucky tomorrow stuff on the transfer portal and with all those guys transferring out of tennessee this week stuff there uh updates kind of across what's going on in the football landscape and then uh rick baller and myself will be in rough arena tomorrow so full coverage from uh, the battle of kentucky oh you're going i didn't know that okay yeah we'll be in the house there you go how, how long I'm, of a trip I'm is it three and zero in my trips okay to lexington to cover tennessee games uh and very easy drive about two and a half two hours 45 minutes okay good deal man that's crazy it's closer than atlanta um I, I forgot why I didn't end up going this fall because I was going to go to the Kentucky game uh, in football this fall, and I don't remember what came up. There was something that came up that prevented me from doing so, but it looked pretty cold, and the game was a lot of fun to watch on TV, so I'm okay with that. Um, Mr. Ryan Shepard, you stay safe out there. Follow him on Twitter, rshump00, and uh, good luck this weekend as you watch your Tennessee Titans take on a bye week. It's it's the best sort of playoff football when your team is in the playoffs and you don't have to have the nervousness of watching them play football. So I'm looking forward to it. First time since 2008 for the Titans. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next weekend goes better than it did uh, in 2008. Well, I got you got Julio Jones, so I guess I gotta uh, root for the yeah, Titans the rest touchdown, of the way here. Baby, you can't <laughs> stop them. You can only hope to contain them. You can only hope. You can only hope. Ryan Shepard, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to our usual suspects on this edition of the podcast, Sports Reports Assemble, with uh, Robert Silverman and Andrew Hammond, plus uh, Max Markovich and Garrett Chapman for the Atlanta Sports Guys, and uh, Ryan Shumpert of Go Big Garage Friday and Rocky Top Insider. So thank you to those guys for coming on the pod to talk all things Atlanta, biggest stories in sports, and the Tennessee Volunteers. Go give them a follow and keep up with their work if you're not already doing so. 
Don't forget, folks, if you like listening to our show today and all of my previous episodes, make sure uh, you do me a solid and leave this show a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure to go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today. Access to all of my previous episodes. Uh, go subscribe to the newsletter, SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. Type in your newsletter. Done. Just like that. Uh, hit me a fo- Give me a follow, rather, at uh, Chase t- double underscore Thomas. And uh, like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, I will talk to you guys next week. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah.